Welcome back to the Monica Matthews Show. Life, love, and liberty. Happy Thursday to you guys. July 28th, 2022. Biden administration still saying that we are not in a recession. As well as uh, the Fed's Powell stating we are not in a recession. I don't know about you, although I do hear from many of you who completely disagree with that. I think your average consumer knows exactly what's up and where we're going. Um, It's hard to tell some days because as best as I can tell, you have a lot of people in the financial world who are simply not telling you the truth. And so this evening, I wanted to invite you into my Twitter spaces as well as YouTube Live. I decided against um, being on uh, Twitter live as well. Um, Hey, guys. And so I'm live streaming on YouTube, so I will be toggling back and forth. If you guys have questions, uh, you're welcome to uh, uh, post your questions on YouTube Live. You can also DM me, although I don't normally tend to check those very often when I'm in a Twitter space. Or just simply pop into the Twitter space and request a mic, and uh, my co-host will help out with that this evening. I'm effectively going to open up the floor Uh, There are two individuals who are co-hosting my space this evening. One goes by the name of Three Aces. Three Aces is no stranger to uh, markets, emerging markets, uh, more specifically along with mining. I will allow him to introduce himself to you. Um, Tara Bull is someone you've seen on Fox Business. She is a beautiful, uh, very smart uh, finance queen, uh, someone that I uh, have a lot of respect for any woman who can, you know, own her own in the financial sector uh, and actually do it well, uh, who, who, you know, has common sense as well as, uh, you know, sense uh, is a, is a chick after my own heart. So not to, you know, also she's easy on the eyes for you guys who, uh, who aren't following her. You, you should do that. So. Uh, we're going to talk about all things recession this evening, as well as emerging markets, as well as wherever this space goes. I have been guiding my audience, you guys, to particular spaces, uh, financial, I would call them gurus. But these guys and these women are professionals within uh, the financial sector. They understand uh, economics. These are people, if you sit in their spaces for any length of time, if you don't come out of there at least, you know, a half percent smarter, then you're just not paying attention. Um, Sometimes they can be hard to follow. I'm not going to lie because I'm not in that industry. And um, I wish, you know, I wish I could understand more. That's why I'm there to learn. But tonight I wanted to introduce you, my audience to them um, for you to listen, because I know not, not all of you uh, in my international markets are on Twitter. So uh, this is going to be for my podcasters. You guys will have this in your queue in the morning uh, on Friday, and you can listen to it all weekend. It's also being recorded on Twitter Spaces as well. But as you guys know, I talk about life, love, and liberty. And, and the economy touches all of that, right? It may not feel like it, but it, it does. How people feel, how people think, what people believe, the level of hope people have directly impacts markets. 
I happen to believe something that my good friend Kurt Potter believes, which is politics is downstream of culture. And I think most of us could agree that the economy um, is also affected by that. Many people ask, what's the chicken and the egg? We can ask that question this evening. Maybe three aces will kick us off with that. What's the chicken or, or the egg? You know, is the, do economies and forecasting and crystal balls and, uh, you know, is that driving people into terror, dread, and fear? Or are people, you know, in their politics and the hope they have in their leaders, uh, the hope they have in the midterms coming up, wars, rumors of wars, paying for other, uh, you know, politicians and covering up their sins and laundering schemes in the name of war, in the name of benevolence? Is that what's driving our economy right now directly into the toilet? Is this a recession? Is this a great reset? Those are the questions that I want to answer tonight. And I want to have answered this evening. So we're going to, I'm going to be a fly on the wall. I'm effectively going to let Three Aces and Tara run with this. And uh, Three Aces will be bringing people up. Uh, he'll be bringing people up to the microphone this evening as well as Tara. I will not. So please do not DM me with your offenses. Do not. You can talk trash about me all you want. <laughs> Act like five-year-olds. I don't care. This is an adult space. This is adult swim we are dealing with adult issues. There are people who are ready to jump off of bridges over the economy. There are people who won't make it past this quarter. I'm, and I'm being very serious about that. These are very serious times. And so for people who, are, who lack the maturity to walk through the valley of the shadow of death with the rest of us, I'm just going to ask you to excuse yourself from my space because I'm not interested. And we really don't have time for that. So for the rest of you, welcome. I'm your host, Monica Matthews. Co-hosts are going to be handling this. I'll pop in every now and then and reset. If you're here, uh, full disclosure, I am uh, live streaming my show. So you will be a part of that. You will also be a part of my national broadcast. Um, so I will not be editing anything. Uh, this is also being recorded. As you know, everything recorded on Twitter uh, is going to stay on Twitter uh, for eternity. Uh, so be mindful. Also, full disclaimer, this is not a financial advice space. Full stop. So you are not receiving financial advice from me or anyone in this space, even though they may be financial professionals, that is not what we're doing this evening. So if you have questions um, or if you want to sound off about what you're personally going through with regard to this recession right now, this economy, what are you doing to prepare? Where are you moving your assets? Have you moved your assets? You guys know I, um, I, I'm a proud um, uh, spokesperson for GoldCo. Uh, I won't spend a whole lot of time on that this evening unless uh, Three Aces would like to go down that road. We can. He he certainly probably will since he is actually mining for gold <laughs> in uh, in uh, Guyana. So, you know, we, we can get into that uh, also this evening. But I have I've heard from a lot of you, what the hell do I do? I'm watching my portfolio hit the toilet. And, you know, my advice to you has been, well, and this is something else I want to cover tonight for all of you professionals in the space. I'd really love this question answered. This, to me, is not going to be a, a 2008 2.0. That's not how this feels. And I know Three Aces can speak to this as well. 
um, and Tara, but this does not feel like a 2008 2.0. And I feel like a lot of people are leading your portfolio managers are either leading or have completely abandoned you at the wayside into thinking that everything eventually will be okay. And that everything right now is nothing but a paper loss unless you completely cash out. And I'm having a hard time swallowing that pill. And so if I'm wrong, I welcome those of you in the space tonight to convince me of how I'm wrong about that. Um, but I want to go for broke. I want to have an honest conversation, um, you know, no holds bar. And yeah, and your questions, you guys go ahead and pop those over. I, I agree with Patriot Girl Prepper that it is a great reset, but we're going to get into that. So without further ado, three says, thank you so much for being here. For you guys in the space, please follow these guys in the co-host space. Anyone who comes up to speak, I'm going to encourage you all to follow each other, right? I mean, this is uh, this is something else I do in my, in my branding as well. I encourage people to create community. So if you hear someone who just makes sense to you, and someone, you know, who you feel like you would like to follow for further information and data points, I'm going to encourage you to do that. Reach out to people. People are actually more accessible than you realize, right? But we'll we'll get to some of the questions and whatnot later. Three Aces, I'm going to let you take it away, dear. Thank you very much for being here this evening. Okay, Monica. Well, thank you very much for that, uh, for that there. Ah. Oh. Where do I start with this? I, I don't have a pre-planned uh, uh, thing here. And generally speaking, most of the spaces are questions and answers. So let me try to see what I can do here to put together a bit of a, a conversation piece that if folks want to come up and ask questions about uh, somewhere middle of the road, of this, uh, we can go from there. Well, can I ask, let me start with this. Are we in a recession or are we not? Well, I don't really think it matters, right? The same people who are telling us we're in a recession or not are the same people who are letting the immigration immigrants in with the fentanyl. They're the same people who are tried to get everybody to wear a mask same people jamming, uh, you know, garbage uh, vaccine down everybody's throat. <laughs> Does it matter what they say at this point? I mean, they have absolutely no credibility. Um, in, in, you know, there's zero trust in, in society uh, whatsoever. I mean, I, I you know, just, just for a little bit of background, I, I'm not an expert in anything. Um, I spent 10 years on Wall Street doing everything from getting coffee to managing a hedge fund and everything in between. So that was in the nineties. And for the last 20 years, I've been a CEO of about six companies. My last company was in Africa for a decade. I made uh, metals, copper and cobalt for the lithium ion phones. Some of my products are probably in your hand right now inside the battery. Some of my products are in the Tesla cars. Um, and when I was forced back to California because of the scandemic, um, you know, I was sitting there and I said, looking at the TV and the news and the stolen election and, and, you know, all of it, all of it's fake. The whole thing is just a, a Hollywood production, just like the January 6th show trial. It's all manufactured nonsense, everything they're pushing on us. Uh, when I was sitting there, I was terrified. 
you know? I mean, I was sitting in America. I just came from Africa. For, for I was there for 10 years. My children would fly to Dubai. I never even came back to the States. I would fly them to Dubai, take them on vacation, send them home to go to school. And um, I was like, I've seen slavery with my own two eyes firsthand. Anybody wants to know what slavery looks like in real life, come to me. I'll take you three, four different places that exist today. And, you know, there's no legal definition of slavery. Um, but my definition of slavery is when one person or entity gives themselves powers that they do not have. And they use those powers over another party. That's slavery. You know, in the masks, you know, people have been forced out of the workforce uh, with 20, 30 year careers because they didn't want to take a vaccine because it didn't take into consideration their medical history. Uh, it goes on and on and on and on and on. And, and I was in California. It was like every breath you took was politically charged. You walk into a store. This one's got a mask on. That one doesn't. Ooh, social distance. No, no. Can you smile at somebody? Say hello. It was like the intensity of it. You know, having lived in Africa and now I'm in Guyana, which is a small British country, British colony in, in South America, just north of Brazil. Um, you know, every you go to go to the morning in the coffee shop and stuff. Everybody says hello, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. You know, you do that in in Santa Monica and you're in handcuffs. You're crazy. So, um, so, so there's there's just no trust in the world. And, and, and really, at the, the core of what we have here is there's just very little respect. You know, one person can't speak their mind, uh, you know, without another person, you know, labeling you, objectifying you. You know, it's just what they've done here in, the, in America. It's just sad. And, and I don't know how you reverse it. So, so I know we're here to talk about the economy. So... So basically, the first thing that I would suggest is that people just completely disregard recession, no recession, because for where that information is coming from is the same place that all the rest of this nonsense is coming from, the government. It doesn't really matter. What matters is your personal business, your personal assets, your family, right, and making sure that you can protect yourself in a financial, you know, way, um, going through this period of time, um, because we don't know where the bottom is, you know, this is an experiment, right? So in 19 or 2008, when the great financial crisis hit, the federal government printed $880 billion to save the United States financial system. And some companies, airlines, and stuff like that in there as well, right? Eight hundred and eighty billion. A hundred percent of that money was paid back. Okay. Now, in the last eighteen months, the United States federal government, between the Federal Reserve and and the politicians, Trump included, put nine nine trillion dollars into the U.S. economy. Right. So asset prices, used car prices, lumber, Bitcoin, 
stocks, real estate, everything, food, you name it, skyrocketed, right? Because of inflation. So, so now that is over. Okay. That's behind us. Right. So, so, so to, to, to think that if you look at the prices of things, such as some stocks and some, you know, other things, lumber, all of it, used cars, all the stuff, crypto that we have, you know, realistically can just go back to those prices like that without that economic stimulus coming into the system is totally unrealistic. Right. So, so on one hand, we don't really know what's going to happen over the next 12 to 18 months because every single economic indicator that leads the economy is pointed straight down. Consumer confidence is at a 52, 50 year low. Every, everything. Right. There's dozens of them. I can sit and go on and on and on. So, but we don't know where the bottom is, but we can kind of get a sense that we kind of know where the top is and it's not th those prices. Those are finished. Okay. So, so what I like to say is we have a setup here that I call a return free risk. I stole that from George Noble, my friend, right? So what we have in front of us is we have a lot of risk, right? In stocks and stuff like that, but there's not a hell of a lot of expectation of potential returns. Um, sorry, I'm getting a DM here from a couple of people, right? So where's the upside? Um, and, 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 and I don't see it. Right. So, so for me, um, what I like to do is I don't really care so much about the past. Uh, in a given situation, whether it's in business, personal, or in, the, or in the markets. I can't do anything about it. One second ago and beyond is almost irrelevant. So what I always like to do is talk about what's going to happen next, right? And then, and then when talking about what's going to happen next, um, you know, what we're looking for is we're looking for what are the risks out there and what are the potential changes that can come our way from those risks, right? And then in business, it's called change management, right? So there's a whole industry for just about that, risks and change management. So that's really all that we can do, right? So right now, we have, so, so now, I'm a believer in if you get the big picture right, you can make just about every mistake in the book. If you mess up on the big picture, you got a real problem, right? So, so you know, for example, in the last 10 years when the social media companies have all gone to the moon and back, if you own the absolute worst run social media company, maybe call it Snapchat, that's down 90% now, you made a fortune if you got out. Versus had you owned the absolute best run, best financed, best managed, best product coal company during that whole period of time when they were vilifying coal, you pretty much lost all your money. Right? So there's nothing to do with really the company, you know, being good or bad. It's getting a big picture right. So, so what's the big picture now? Um, 
the big picture now is the cost of capital is increasing, right? Rates are going up. So what does that mean? That means that builders, right, who build stuff, they have to pay more money to borrow money to build their projects. Oil and gas wells, guys that drill, higher cost of capital. Farmers, higher cost of capital. All of these businesses now are faced. Currently, this could all change at six. Sorry, I got I got a phone call. Um. So 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 the so the big picture now is the cost of money is is going up dramatically, right? We see now from earnings that are starting to come out, which again are last quarters, right? The, the earnings that are being announced now were for the April 1st quarter. April, May, June. All right. April 1st, we were in a completely different world than what we are now. Right. So some of these companies have managed to hang on to fairly decent uh, fairly decent you know, quarters, if you will, but they're almost irrelevant, right? Because the, the quarter that we're in now moving forward is really where it's going to start to show. Um, so, so we have increasing cost of capital. We've got earnings are contracting. We see it across the board. Even Amazon today, they, they, did, they, 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 they missed their number. Stock's up 12 bucks, right? So revenues are contracting. And price earnings multiples are contracting. That's what we have. That's the big picture that we have in front of us. So, so you know, unless you are a roll up your sleeves, spend 15 hours a day stock picker, uh, you know, those people can actually do pretty well in an environment like this. Uh, the average person... Um, you know, is going to have a hard time making money in a market like this. So, so there's what I, again, going back to the return free risk, right? So we're taking this risk here, but what's the upside, right? So, so basically, um, Monica, uh, just want to check in with you here and see if you want me to have a specific subject or something. Uh, to where we can get into the the best is when it's Q and A and we're answering questions and stuff. So I'd like to get there sooner rather than later, if you don't mind. This way, I'm not just have this monologue and put people. Yeah, no to problem, sleep. no problem. Uh, yeah, as <laughs> Tara's laughing. Uh, yes. Well, let's go to some people who are already in the speaker space. I mean, they clearly have questions, comments, or concerns. So let's go with uh, let's do that. Um, I'm gonna and and I have not been keeping up with who's first, so I'm counting on you and Tara to do that. But let me actually let me start with my normal co-host, my regular co-host, Christopher. Did you have anything? Any questions? Hey, Monica. Um, yeah. So three aces. I know you're not a fan of looking back at the past, and I and I completely agree with where you're coming from because I've heard you in multiple spaces. But I do want to know your take. Um, the difference in 2008's recession. Um, versus now, two things that I think are really stark differences that I'm curious about your opinion on. One, um, the distrust in media. So in 2008, obviously, everything kind of tanked, you know, 
um, there still was some level of trust in media that they would get the fair, they would get told the truth on a series of things. And then the second thing is, while folks in half the country didn't like George Bush or half the country didn't like Barack Obama, um, they certainly did not. Um, we're not in the condition that our current leader is in. Um, and so I believe that he's displaying all the signs of Louis Body's dementia, um, LBD. And so I'm curious on the two fronts. We have a um, president who I think we can all agree is not playing 100 percent upstairs, which is dangerous in the situation we're in. Two, he's compromised due to some fam- family situations. And three, we have a media that is at all, not at all trusted. And four, we have a compromised Congress who like less than 5% of America trusts. So combining all those three, how do you feel like that plays out in this really um, turbulent and dangerous situation that we have going on economically? Well, I mean, listen, you know, I every day for the last 30 years, I wake up and you have a series of problems that you have to deal with. That's the business leader's job. I've been a CEO for 20 plus years, call it 20 plus years, right? I don't get to pick the flower on the, for the website, you know? I get to deal with the 12 guys getting killed with an avalanche, you know, in some place in Congo in the government. That's my job. Okay. So, so, um, it, what scares me the most here, there's a handful of things that scare me the most. The, the, the thing that scares me the most is that I don't think you could go out of your way to do more damage to America than is being done right now. That, that to me is the most frightening thing. That's what put me on an airplane and brought me to Guyana to put myself on the gold standard. Um, one, of, one of Michael Cow, I think I just saw his name, he taught me a new term yesterday, full harvest. That's what I'm doing, I'm fully harvesting Okay, uh, gold and putting myself on the gold standard uh, because I'm too scared to death of of the underlying suppositions of the border, you know, being wide open and all the drugs flying in. They don't really care. You know, the kids have to wear masks at school, but these people, they don't, uh, you know, forget the border. And forget California, forget Arizona, forget Nevada, forget Texas. But if they get sent to D.C., you know, we need, we want the National Guard. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen anything more ridiculous in my life. You know, Afghanistan, what he did. You know, like I lived in Dubai, you know, like when 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 I lived in Africa, my kids would meet me in Dubai five times a year. I had a place in Dubai. I love Dubai. I love the UAE, the culture and the Gulf Coast and all, and all that stuff. You know, I was so happy when I saw the Mohammed Accord, I think it's in, in Egypt, um, where, you know, they brokered a peace treaty between Israel and, and, and the Emiratis. And now, you know, six flights a day going in and out of UAE to Israel. Right. And what did what did Obama do or what did uh, Biden do? He took the these off the foreign terrorist uh, organization list. Hey, what's up, guys? Um 
you know, we just lost two guys in Ukraine, right? Hey, two, two old. Can you please um put it on mute and raise your hand like everybody else? So, so you know, uh, Biden literally on the first day on his job after shutting down the Keystone Pipeline, um, removed the Houthis from the foreign terrorist organization uh, list, the FTO list, right? And the very first trip from the from Israel's you know prime uh, president into uh, Abu Dhabi to meet with the late uh, uh, Sheikh uh, Khalifa, the prime minister. Um, the Houthis bombed them twice. And then they've been bombing the Saudis, you know, their, their, their refineries and stuff. Um, you know, this January 6th thing, this, this show trial, I mean, this, this stuff is not good for America. The energy policy that we have, I was on the phone last night with a friend who spent 35 years in PG&E. He's now a CEO of a publicly traded company. And they do, they make equipment for the power industry, for the power lines and stuff, right? Like, so if the line snaps, his stuff shuts the power off in the line before the line can hit the floor and start a fire, for example. Stuff like that, right? Just cool little value-added products and stuff. And he says, he says in California, they're talking about shutting off the, new, the nuclear plant, Diablo Canyon. That's 8% of the power that California uses. Right. And then now they're pushing all of these uh, electric vehicles on everybody. And he says that there's not one word of the grid. There's not one word of increasing power generation. He's like, if you if you tried to right now, just the permitting process would be 10 years to build a new power plant in California. So it's like... <laughs> Right. I mean, so now these corporations like Ford and GM and VW and all these guys, they have to tool up their manufacturing if they can't sell elect, uh, internal combustion engines. Right. In California, which is a huge market or elsewhere, uh, they have to shut down those plants and then turn them into renewable, you know, electric vehicle plants. But there's absolutely no way that it's possible. It's not possible. And it's not just there, it's, it's everywhere, it's everything, right? There's absolutely no thought, no strategy, no leadership, no plan, no nothing. It's just like a totalitarianism state. Here, no more uh, ICE vehicles, and that's the end of the discussion. In the meantime, yesterday I saw something on a news clip that the state of California is asking people not to charge their electric vehicles because they don't have the power during the day. So the thing, you know, for me in my business, when I do something, it's typically in a jungle or in a national geographic location out in the middle of nowhere with chiefs and tribal leaders and stuff. You know, it's not across the street from the, the Amman resorts. You know, it's, it's very deep into, you know, <laughs> the bush, so to speak. You know, no roads. You know, we got to get in there on barges and put our own roads in, all that stuff. So it's all, it's 90% planning. You know, we plan and plan and plan. And every nut and every bolt and every spare part and hose and clamp and everything is thought out to the absolute 10th degree before we do anything. And by the time we get there, right, it's 10% execution. Right? 
I've never seen uh, anything like this in my life, like in Germany, to where they basically put themselves in a position to basically wipe out uh, their in total, their entire industrial, industrial, uh, you know, uh, manufacturing uh, industry with no power, let alone freeze people out of their homes in the winter. Right. So, so, so the first thing is, is that scares me to death. That thing. The second thing that scares me to death is how fake the media is. The real problem that we have is the media, right? If the media told the truth about the Pfizer clinical trial data, if the media told the truth about five states in the past three weeks of these, five counties have decertified the election, this is news. This is real news, right? And they go on and on and on with this fake stuff on TV and online. And there's absolutely no discussion or, or anything, right? So, so, so the second thing is that. <clears throat> the third thing is it is clear to me that the Chinese Communist Party, through their pawns in Davos, are, are, are making some sort of a move here with everything that's going on. And, and the only reason why I say that is because they're the only ones who get to, do, to get to play by, by a set of rules that's unlike all of this WEF stuff, right? They can build a new coal-fired power plant every other day. No, not one word from Larry Fink or CCP or Trudeau or Biden or any of them, right? And there's no fertilizer restrictions there. There's no nothing. They, they can use slave labor to make cotton for Nike and Walmart and Gap. No problem. Everyone's cool. The NBA doesn't say a word to them, right? So, so that just tells me that they're the ones pulling the strings. So, so all of that stuff there, Chris, has me terrified for the future of America. And then these cities are getting eaten alive from the inside out. So, so, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just went on a little bit of a rant there. Did I answer your question, Christopher? So, well, I mean, obviously you gave some great answers there. I just was kind of more, I was curious if we're talking economics, how you feel like that's going to impact this deeper recession, which I think we all would agree is quite a bit larger um, compared to where we were in 08, 09. I was just coming in, you know, with my little guys, my, you know, my, my son and my daughter at the time. They were babies. They were in diapers. I remember how hard that time was. So now we have all these factors coming in. How do you feel like that's going to either prolong or deepen the potential economic impact of what's happening? I I think it's going to be different. You know, 08, the world stopped. When, when When the mortgage market froze up and there was no buyers and no, there were plenty of sellers. There were no buyers. That, that the whole world stopped right then and there and the banks were going to go out of business and the real estate and all of those, those loans that were out there, people were buying 10, 12 homes without even having an income, you know, stuff like that. You don't, you don't really have that here uh, in this setup. The setup that I see here now is if something doesn't break politically with these policies, energy policy, fertilizers, all, all of it. Now they're talking monkeypox. 
if something doesn't break there and it's just the economy itself, like it was in 08, um, I, I personally think we can see a, like a lost decade to where, because there was just, you know, all of that economic activity that was forced into 18 months uh, with the $9 trillion, all that was was borrowed from a future period of time. They borrowed, they borrowed all of that economic activity from a future period of time, right? And, and everybody now is so accustomed to the stock market and everything being like a casino, right? So quick, you know, $1,000 turns into $10,000 by lunch, all this other stuff, crypto, you know, used cars, everything's moving, 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 right? So, so that's the expectation, right, that everybody has, because that's kind of all they know. Most people for the last 10 years, you know, have just gotten into the markets. So what I see is potentially a very long, drawn out, muted sort of L shape recovery like Japan had in they had what they called the lost decade in Japan. I I, because, you know, the the 40 percent of the United States housing market, there's that doesn't have a mortgage. Right. 40% of all homes in America, they they don't even have a mortgage. Um, so, you know, I, I don't, I don't personally see the simple scenario like we had in 08 with, with the mortgages and the banks. It's going to think it's going to be different this time. Okay. Thanks for that. Christopher, thanks for your question. I appreciate you. Let's move on to some hands. Um, I, I think, plus I want to go over here to YouTube for you guys who are not aware in this space. Welcome to my space. I'm Monica Matthews, host of Life, Love and Liberty. I am doing my uh, live show from this space this evening. I wanted to give my national audience an opportunity to hear from some of you uh, more financially attuned and economic attuned uh, people um, who would not otherwise normally tune in to some of your uh, very informative and educational space and so I've asked uh, Tara to co-host along with Reeses. Um, do me a favor uh, for those of you in the space who would like to come up and speak, please ask for a mic um, and raise your hand once you're in that space. I, Tara, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the order of things. I know Three Aces has been talking, and I have been busy on live stream on YouTube. So uh, if I go out of order or we go out of order, please uh, forgive uh, forgive that. It's not meant to be disrespectful of your time at all. Uh, just be patient, please. I do want to read over some of the comments over in the YouTube space. Uh, which is hilarious. And if you're not following me over there, uh, it's just simply Monica Matthews. Um, This was my favorite comment so far. How did Americans manage to convert a once beautiful country into a psychiatric hospital with the patients in charge? Very good question. Uh, The second comment to that was, you know, here's the thing. Here's Here's the overarching concern from my audience, right? No one even believes that's Biden Anytime someone steps to the podium in front of a camera. So it's like, so it's like those of us who are the adults in the room are, we're, we're dealing with very real life issues. Like how the hell do we afford gas? How much is chicken going to be the next time I go to the grocery store? Will I even find a steak next year? Uh, You know, like you said, we're just now dealing with the earnings of April, right? We're dealing with figures from April. So I can't even imagine what the next quarter is going to look like. So, you know, think about like Javier and I've talked, you know, offline 
where it's like, all right, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pooling my resources together right now for local farmers, local cattle ranchers, local, you know, uh, uh, fruit and vegetable growers. And then, you know, leading, uh, my, my quasi flock, you know, of followers to these guys to be like, Hey, you guys need to invest in your own supply chains. You're going to, you're going to have to get with it. So, so we're down here on the ground. At least I am with my audience trying to draw people into, this is what you need to do to take shelter. And, and so, but no one in my audience believes that they're even dealing with a real president for God's sakes. And so it's like, we're having weird conversations where it's like, you know, like the financial sector is like, oh, well, this happened in this earning and these guys shut down and, and these guys aren't reinvesting and we can expect layoffs and, and all this. And, and in the meantime, the rest of us are like, well, which green screen was, was whoever that is, Biden or whomever, uh, weekend at Bernie's, which green screen was he in front of, you know, this week. And so it's like, there, there is kind of this, it's not even cognitive dissonance. I can't even, I can't even qualify it as that. It's not cognitive dissonance. It is, God, it's almost like, what is that? It's the shaking baby syndrome, right? Where all, I feel like most of Americans are, who are in, in tune with, holy crap, where are we? How did we get here? And they are looking to the past three aces, they are looking to the past to say, okay, maybe there's going to be light at the end of the tunnel. And so I'm just trying to bring a very real uh, focused view for people to get honest because they're spending out the yin yang. Credit card debt has shot through the roof. I don't know how people plan on paying for these things, you know, in the, in the coming days with layoffs and, and their retirement plans are being sucked into orbit right now. You know, I, I have no idea how people are going to pay for their lives, but over here in YouTube, you know, people are just, you know, interestingly enough, they just kind of feel like the whole the Biden regime is, is, is a farce, you know, and that too plays on the psyche of the um, American people. But I see Tara's had her hand up and since she is a co-host, go for it. And then David, I see you're here as well. And I'd love to get your input on things. Uh, yes. And please uh, come on up, ask for a mic, please raise your hand and we will get to you um, as soon as possible. Hey, Tara, thanks so much hey. for being here tonight. Hey, Monica. Uh, Hi, Three Aces. Hey, everybody. I recognize all of you up here, which is pretty awesome. Um, I just wanted to say thank you so much for putting this on and inviting me. I don't know why I'm not showing up in a co-host spot so I cannot pull people up or help with that aspect of the call, but um, I have been sort of keeping... Oh, there, there it is. I've been trying to keep track of uh, who's up next. And I know Christina had her hand up first up here. So I think she would be the next one uh, to speak. But really quick, I just wanted to say um, I just retweeted something that I don't know if you all follow Unusual Whales, but he's very outspoken in regard to uh, members of Congress, uh, their illegal insider trading activity and um you know, some things that are pretty nefarious within our own government. So uh, just because you were just speaking on, you know, how we're essentially being run by deep fakes and drones in this country. So it seems um, we have, you know, an issue, a major issue, I believe, with, you know, not having term limits. Um, I know that members of Congress who, you know, they've become millionaires on, you know, $200,000 salary. So it's pretty wild, you know, what's what's going on. And they're the ones 
who are supposed to hold themselves accountable. So, I mean, they get, you know, $200 fines if they don't report their trades within 45 days, stuff like that. It's, it's you know, just completely corrupt. Um, so if you don't fall on usual whales, I, I highly recommend it. But I just wanted to point out that he actually just shared something. And I know Three Aces doesn't want to talk about the past, but this is the recent past um, as of July 11th. Uh, Wikipedia had one definition of what a recession is on their website. And as of today, um, that definition has officially been changed and locked on their website. So it's just interesting how quickly, you know, the control um, sort of happens. And it seems that you know, rather than actually do anything to effectively help or fix the economy, um, it's just we're just going to, you know, sweep this under the rug and change the definition um, and not, you know, do anything about it. So um, I think that's one of the major problems as well. Anyway, I don't want to take too long. Um, thank you again, Monica, for inviting me um, already, ha you know, learning and and growing so much just in this so I really appreciate it. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity, um, you know, and Christopher has seen some of the stuff firsthand and I'm sure you've, you've dealt with a fair share of, of stuff yourself, Monica, but it's definitely a man's world sometimes. Um, but I'm happy to be a woman in it and, uh, have met so many wonderful men as well. So I appreciate you all. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, Christina was next. And then I believe Excellent. it was George. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. And Christina, please go for it. And, and Tara, you were up as co-host apparently dropped down. And so thank you. You're, you're back in the space. If that happens again, I'll pay closer attention um yeah again if you're in the speaker space there are a lot of hands coming up now or a lot of people who want a mic so please raise your hand if you don't i'm going to move you out of the speaker space to make room for those who do um and hopefully we're not about to get pulled okay cool thank you prodigal sons here and i see what you just put up in the um in in the uh, nest and tara i did I, I i did actually see that before we came on and i thought isn't that interesting now talk about a double standard you know i went through that with my own senator here in the state of georgia kelly leffler uh was you know busted for <laughs> for uh investing in and capitalizing on uh you know the, those things that their trustee um their trusty portfolio managers allegedly never alert them to what's about to happen. And if you know anything about Kelly Leffler's husband, you'll know that that is legitimately 1000% impossible that she and her husband did not know what was coming with COVID. So, uh, yeah, she, she certainly made out like a bandit, but she was busted, you know, immediately, uh, as a rep you could call her a Republican. I would not call her a Republican, but most would, um, so funny that Nancy was just, you know, called out today. Who was that? I think that was like a former Texas AG. Is that, I think that's who called her out for that, saying that she should absolutely be investigated, that it does appear that there's some insider trading that has gone on. So, yeah, I mean, we know, we, listen, my audience knows what the deal is. You know, we're the serfs, you know, we're the subjects in, in this, uh, in this theater, in this, in this play that we all happen to be a part of. So yeah, thank you for that. And also fun fact, as words go, that, that is something I push on my show since I've been on the air, terrestrial and otherwise, uh, words matter. Absolutely. Words matter Buy yourself a dictionary today, uh, before all words are altered, uh, but not limited to, you know, including, but not limited to females, um, it, very important to pay attention to that too. Thank you, Tara, for bringing that up outside of the financial scape. 
um, the, just looking at the political scape and, and here about to be a criminal uh, political scape, right, where the DOJ is calling um, for the prosecution of Donald Trump with regard to cr- um, uh, seditious conspiracy, okay? Um, interesting to note that Wikipedia's definition of that does not involve violence, it does not involve any form of physical activity at all. It's basically, you know, you have something in your head. Um, it, it is your typical conspiratorial, you know, definition. For you attorneys in the room, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but with regard to this seditious conspiracy, um, it's important to add the component of violence to that. But that is not what's happening. So it's basically President Trump was pitching a hissy fit, didn't want to give up his control or power, and decided to, you know, uh, through a matter of conspiracy, um, decide to carry out a seditious act on U.S. soil, which I personally do not believe is remotely true or plausible. But here we are. Okay, so Christina, thanks for being with us. Please go for it. Uh, hi, Monica. Um, thank you for for being a speaker. I have a question for Three Aces and for you and for whoever <laughs> can respond. Uh, you know how much I appreciate you, Three Aces. We know each other for quite a few years now. Uh, but I'm really concerned about something, uh, you know, that I'm talking with my friends high high up in politics in, in Europe and Eastern Europe. Uh, I'm really concerned about the EV policies that uh, that Biden and this administration is doing with, uh, you know, with California, uh, forcing the EV and not having, uh, you know, gas, oil. It's, it's stupid because I don't think they have actually, none of them uh, put their feet in, uh, you know, in Middle East or in Eastern Europe where, you know, maybe some of you, got acquainted just from, uh, you know, the videos from uh, Ukraine. But in there, you have a street with, like, let's say, a, a small street. You have, like, buildings uh, with 44, 54, 60 apartments uh, where you don't have any type of uh, of charging situation. You cannot charge your your electrical vehicles i'm not talking just this i'm talking any electrical vehicle and uh, it is concerning you know in whole eastern bloc uh, thinking well what if they actually doing that to us we they cannot sustain a ev market and uh, another and this is what i was curious three to know what what do you think about about the ev you know policies in here and the second question is that you know, out of U.S., I don't know why it's in here. It's not, you know, too much of a concern, but uh, in Europe and in other parts of the world, it is uh, about Taiwan. Like, uh, you're talking about serious, serious implication, not just about, uh, you know, uh, on U.S. economy. You're talking about implication around the world if Taiwan it's taking and, you know, the word that it's boiling for years between China and Taiwan will start. And my concern is that they will start just because they they don't feel the U.S. is a threat anymore. And I don't want to get into the politics why. <laughs> All of us, we can guess why, but they don't see U.S. as a, as a 
let's say, a possible stopper in that. And I think, Three Aces, I, I would like to hear your thoughts in, in this because it's start getting a real concern, especially today when the China president actually called, but, you know, not threatened, but uh, warned Biden uh, on that regard, saying that uh, he's playing with fire. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I see it as a concern <laughs> to be, you know, the U.S. president to say, you know, you're playing with fire regarding a, a country. And I think Taiwan, as I said, look on the supply chain that all the the EVs and I promised myself I think I will not get into Tesla here, but uh, it is a concern not just with EVs EV market but with all the other you know chip and stuff. Christina, Christina, Christina. So so this space is from Monica. Monica is a political talk show host, a political uh, person. They wanted to have kind of a lighthearted discussion about um about the economy and stuff so you're getting into tremendous detail about a subject that maybe maybe you know very few people care about so what i'm going to do is i'm going to answer your question in in a different way okay so the ev push and the net zero the green zero whatever the hell they're calling it is is a product of what climate change Okay, so climate change started out 40 years ago as global cooling. Then they changed it to global warming. And now it's they call it climate change because they can't prove any of them. Okay, so the the climate change and the EV thing came from something that's called ESG. Environmental social governance. ESG is a social credit score for corporations. That's all it is, okay? If you don't do what we say you're going to do, you don't get access to capital, right? I was in the mining business. I've been in the mining business for 15 years. ESG has been around since 2010, okay? They first came after us, putting holes in the ground, using chemicals, diesel, all this other stuff. Great. So there's not been any capital investment outside of the top 20, you know, mining companies in the world that are public. Uh, you know, in mining for the past 15 years. So so now they're turning around saying, oh, well, we need you to do this EV stuff. And by the way, it's all mined material, all the stuff we told you that you were a bad guy for, right? So, so in any event, the whole thing about ESG is very simple. It's a political move to transfer economic and political power from the United States to China. China does not have a muscle in, in hydrocarbons in oil and gas. The United States is the largest oil and gas manufacturer in the world. Okay. And we've got four Saudi Arabias in America. Okay. Um, that they won't let them drill. Right. So, so by choking off, uh, the industry in, in oil and gas, what they're trying to do is move the, the market, to the EV batteries because China has, has sewn up the natural resource supply chain for the EV battery supply for natural resources, lithium, copper, cobalt, nickel, and zinc, and magnesium. Okay. Manganese, pardon me. Right. That's all it is. It's just another fake, 
you know, you know, so, so, so that, so, so it'll never happen. And just like COVID and just like the fertilizers in Sri Lanka and just like North, uh, Netherlands and now Canada. Okay. Um, they are going to double, triple, quadruple down on policies that will never work. And the downside of that is what you're seeing mass destruction. It, it's almost like they're trying to cause a mass extinction event with what they're doing. So let's go on, Christina. You know that we could talk about EVs until we're blue in the face. I don't know that very many people here are that interested in that lengthy of a conversation on the one subject. Go ahead. Who's next? Ian, what's up, brother? I just wanted to comment about that fertilizer thing, and I can see Canada becoming like the Netherlands. Um, I've spoke to you about it before, Three Aces. Um, I'm in a community just south of thousands of acres of farmers of carrots, onions, potatoes, you know, vegetables that, that the common person eat every day. And with that reduction, you know, I've spoken to a couple farmers. They're saying, you know, they're not going to get their second yield in this year. So really that 20% is going to affect probably 40%. So, you know, they put the price of, of stuff up in the stores because of the price of fuel going up. Um, now they brought the fuel back down. Prices haven't dropped. So now the price of food is going up because of this fertilizer thing. And, you know, where does it stop? I can't see it stopping. And I can literally see the Dutch farmers in my community just going haywire back in Ottawa all over again. And this whole Nancy Pelosi thing, are you telling me that she's not in bed with BlackRock? You know, BlackRock's working for the government to reduce everything down. And you're telling me they're not in cahoots with what's going on between each other? Of course they are. I don't know what your opinion is on Three Aces, but I'm getting fed up with it. Well, that's the whole thing. There, there's a regime there. You know, the Davos, the people in Davos, the WF, they're unelected. Correct. The UN, unelected. World Health Organization, unelected. Unelected, right. Who are these people? They even had the UN fly in. A lot of people don't know this. I can tell it because three aces, you know, Canada, they put planes up in North Bay from the United Nations to bring the officers or whatever of the UN to Ottawa this year. And that never came out on the news. Why? Because the news and media is so sanctioned. It's not funny anymore. Listen, I, I, so on some level, I think the the real problem is is the media. The media I mean, is what, the real problem. They're right. paid for. They're paid for by these organizations. They tell you what they want you to hear, and you know that's that's the way it is. Now I'm hearing. I heard from somebody confidentially today. I'll put it out there. Bill Gates is buying land in Canada. Under three numbered companies. What does that tell you? Yeah. If the media just told the truth about yeah. the vaccines, about yeah. the, the, the border crossings, about yeah. the co, you know, the map, I mean, they just, it's, 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 it's totally unbelievable to me. 
So, yeah. So now the thing about Biden, Biden is a puppet. I mean, the guy was a damn basement of his house during the entire election cycle. You know, he is not he's not directing the DOJ. He's not directing any of these people. And what do you think? What do you think Trudeau is? Three aces. He's a school teacher that got fired. Now he's running a country. These people are not doing everything that you see here. They're, they're not. They're, they're, there's an organization behind them, you know, that that is calling the shots. I mean, there's no way. But Biden can't even spit a sentence out on TV, for Christ's sake. I, I shared you know? something with you last week, Three Aces, and a lot of people don't know this, but I guess it's uh, in America similar to your Kamala Harris. Um, we've got our deputy prime minister who's on the board of directors for the World Economic Forum. How is that not, you know, collusion, whatever you want to call it? Yeah, well, see, see the whole thing, it comes down to a very basic concept. Conflict of interest. Coming up, we'll continue to talk with my folks in spaces and get to the bottom of this conflict of interest. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Monica Matthews Show. Hey, guys. Monica here. If you have an IRA, 401k, or savings account, things are super scary out there. The Biden administration's already printed more money in the past two years than the previous 100 years combined. The national debt hit a record $30 trillion, and inflation is the highest we've seen in over 40 years. Listen... It's only a matter of time before the house of cards comes completely crashing down. If you have retirement savings, your money could be at serious risk. Talk to my friends at GoldCo to see how you can protect your retirement with gold and silver before it's too late. Go to MonicaProtectsWithGold.com and they will give you $10,000 or more in free silver when you open a qualifying account. That's MonicaProtectsWithGold.com. Welcome back to the Monica Matthews Show. You're listening to my live spaces, which are held every Thursday evening. My live show with great guests. Tonight we're talking about all things economy and recession. Yeah. Right? These people were elected or or not. <laughs> Who knows what, you know. Yeah, so no, I, I like right. your word there, or not. Yeah. Right, right. But but they were not elected to to bow to the Communist Party of China. And their puppets, the, the the W World Economic Forum, they were elected to protect us. So, so you know, the, in business, that's called a conflict of interest. You know, somebody comes in, somebody comes in to come to work for you, and and they and you know, you give them a contract, and you tell them in there no outside business interests, and then you know they sign it, and you start paying them, only to find out that they work for your competitor. On the weekends and nights, a hundred percent. So, so what the hell is going on here? Why, why aren't you know these people being held to account? So, in any event, let's let's keep going. Yeah, uh, I'm waiting for America to get the fertilizer restrictions next. Yeah, well, you know what? I mean, I you know, <laughs> I, I obviously don't. You know, I, I, you know, who knows? Yep. You know, we, that, we that's why. Yeah, all roads for me lead back to gold. Yeah. All roads lead back to gold. Gold is the only true freedom that 
one can have. I sound crazy now. Two years ago, three years ago, I would have said I was crazy. But you know what? You reach down into your pocket, pull out a dollar bill. What does it say? Property of is not yours. You pay off your house in full. taxes to pay right so you know gold is the only thing you know i know people talk about crypto and i don't think it's gold against crypto i think they share a lot of the same unique characteristics uh i'm not against crypto i've owned crypto um i think a lot of the irregularities that we're seeing in the media that stuff needs to all go away before anybody real starts getting involved in crypto. And there's still a lot of it out there to come out. Um, but in many ways, they're very similar, you know. But, uh, you know, if you were sitting with a million dollars worth of gold in front of you, it doesn't say property of any government. It's yours. Hey, Three Aces, um, I just noticed, and, and I agree with you, and before we end the space uh, this evening, I do want to talk about uh, something that Javier shared uh, actually yesterday, and I I shared that last week, and it was like nobody even batted an eyelash at it uh, with regard to Russia and China, you know, and BRICS, and them announcing, you know, that they're establishing their own reserve um, that will be backed by gold. It is if, you know, it's as if no one on this soil, not not only do they not know, but even knowing, it's like they don't see uh, the real issue with that. And some people have actually laughed me, you know, off of the air with having a concern over that. You and I have talked about this extensively, um, you know, back channels, but I would like to touch on that before, before we in the space this evening, but I did notice that prodigal son was in the space. Um, and then he left. And so prodigal, if you're still around, um, from the speaker, from requesting a mic, please come back because I'd love to hear from you. And thank you for everything that you've put up in the, um, in the nest. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. So, let's keep moving um storm i think you've been here probably the longest so let's go to you next thank you sir yeah thank you so much monica good to see three aces tara uh christian so many of y'all in the space i'm i'm truly grateful for the community that's cultivated when i met three aces in these spaces it's like it was an eye-opener it was a confirmation on so many levels you can look at a gold chart and go back thousands of years and you have to ask yourself these questions. Why are central banks accumulating more gold than they ever have in the last 100, 150 years? So that that should tell you what true monetary policy is. And what we've seen over the last 50 years has been an absolutely wreck. So I agree with a lot of statements. And, you know, I just want to share, you, you have to surround yourself with people that are seeking the truth and answers. Monica is an individual that has been standing for truth for her followers and for her listeners to find the answers that we all seek. The fiduciary duties of a lot of advisors out there are being called out by folks like George Noble. I'm so glad I was able to run into George Noble and get into spaces and learn so much more than I have at a large university about finance, going to wealth expos, listening and reading commentary. I mean, for someone that's been in the industry as long as him, Three Aces, Michael Guyatt, a lot of these people 
are going to put you on to the big macro trends. When I pull up the NASDAQ chart, yeah, we're down 25%, but we still have 50% to go downside if we just go to the 2020 lows. And so what you want to be on is what is the trend? The trend is your friend. I have friends and business partners all across this country, from New York to Fort Lauderdale to California. And when I talk to them about their business environment, some of the telltale signs that are showing up are layoffs in the tech industry. We saw that with Washington Mutual when they laid off a thousand people from California and the shifting went around in the financial industry. And what did we hear from the mainstream media? Oh, well, banks are bellwethers. Look at the weighted averages in these mutual funds and ETFs. They're all heavily weighted to tech. And you got to pause for a moment and ask yourself, do I need to reallocate funding away from these funds and go to cash positions or buy a Vanguard bond fund and wait out this storm that we're, we're going to face? The four-year election cycle is real. If not, look at any chart in, in the spring of 2020 and ask yourself, where are we going to be in 2024? And that uncertainty should create a lot of cause. Another thing that comes to mind is all the accounting scandals after September 11th. All the Gap Accounting, Enron, WorldCom, MCI, all these names of organizations that no longer exist. And here we got Fed folks that sit on the Federal Reserve that got that resigned in shame, did not get any prison time, did not pay any penalties and fines, and they made Martha Stewart look like the postal child of insider trader. I mean, Nancy Pelosi and Congress are all guilty of this, and they have found a loophole to make the rest of us suffer, and they're just leading the sheep to the, the slaughter. So I'm going to pause. Thank you so much. I'm going to drop <clears throat> down and listen because I respect so many of y'all in this space. And all I would say is continue to share with family and friends, and let's get people on the right path because four to six years from now, when the next wave goes up, we're going to ride those tides to the upside, but you have to be positioned correctly now. Yeah. So storm, just a little fun fact. So for those that don't know, the primary unit of measure for gold and silver is an ounce. Okay. Now there are 31.103 grams in a, in a Troy ounce. Right, 31.103 grams in a Troy ounce. Now, I looked at my chart. I was just on, my, on the phone with my friend last night. We were goofing around, and we did this just out of kit for kicks and giggles. <clears throat> so I went back as far back as I could find on my charts. Somebody with a Bloomberg, obviously, is a different story, but what I use here, trading view. And it was 1983, March of 1983. I said, how much was a barrel of oil? And he said, $30. Great. How much was uh, an ounce of gold? I think he said, he said $300. Right? So if you divide $300 by 31.103, it gives you the per gram. Right? How much? So... So in 1983, it cost 2.9 grams of gold 
to buy one barrel of oil. Today, it's 1.7 grams of gold to buy a barrel of oil. It just reminded me of that uh, storm because you said looking at the charts and gold and all this other stuff. So it's actually, it's it's 1.2 grams less gold today to buy a barrel of oil, but the barrel of oil costs 300 and some odd percent more in dollars, right? And what that's called is currency debasement debasement and the consequence of currency debasement is inflation which is what everybody's experiencing right now i just thought i would touch on that because that was i was interesting i had never done that exercise before who do we got next uh we're gonna go to prodigal next thanks for coming back up hey how you doing good to see everybody here i think it's an important space because uh, uh, the political and financial sectors of twitter uh, don't usually intertwined, but I think it's important that, you know, they are, because as we've seen, you know, you can't talk about energy without talking about national security. It's everything is connected. And uh, as previous speakers said, you know, the issue we're seeing, uh, if you look at Russia and the sanctions, uh, their trade with BRICS has increased substantially. And China, whether through the Belt and Road Initiative or building nuclear plants in Latin America, is making its footprint known. And you look at its accumulation of both energy and food staples, and as you know, time continues and inflation and food costs go up, this is just another lever they can use to pull uh, nations out of the orbit of the West and into their circle. You know, there's been a lot of issues we've seen with India and other countries uh, remaining neutral and not aligned, and you know, the era of uh, you know a unipolar world, in my opinion, and a lot of other people's opinion, is over. And right now, the issue is our leaders, whether through ineptitude or straight out corruption or blackmail are handicapping us. Uh, every week, every month, we see multiple stories of CCP agents or companies stealing technology. Uh, recently, we saw uh, they had uh, Hawaii, uh, excuse my pronunciation, uh, had abilities to disrupt nuclear capabilities, but no actions are being taken. Uh, they announced Build Back Better 2.0, and it does little to repatriate manufacturing and do what needs to be done for America. As previous speakers stated, uh, specifically in the EV vehicle market, uh, China dominates the rare earth minerals, uh, minerals and precious uh, earth minerals. And they've taken over Afghanistan. And to push this agenda uh, without having a transition is idiotic. If everybody had EVs like Biden wanted, it would collapse the grid, which we're already seeing rolling blackouts in multiple states. So, I mean, right now, this is an existential uh, crisis in the states, whether you're looking at the border and fentanyl overdoses at, at all time highs. But, you know, the problem is, you know, corporate legacy media and our politicians on both sides of the aisles uh, have failed us. And this is going to play out uh, over the next year. Uh, people are upset at food costs now. Wait till next year comes. Uh, we're still dealing with last year's rotation. So, you know, it's concerning. Uh, both the uh, alphabet boys in D.C. have been weaponized and politicized. And right now, uh, you could see a groundswell of, of, of uh, Americans who are upset and angry to see their, their betrayal by their governments. And it's not limited to America. We see what's going on in the Netherlands, Italy, the farmers. The same thing with Canada now. And if the West does not uh, you know, immediately stop these policies and refocus on what each nation needs and what the West needs to maintain its position, uh, we're going to see a clear erosion of power. 
uh, and we're seeing that already. And uh, you know, I'll leave it at that. Bro, bro, they they're trying to kill people. The the, the least of their concerns about uh, is energy. I mean, if you look at this Ed Dowd's work from you know who got kicked off of Twitter, of course, he's on various podcasts and things like that. Um, that there were 29 million people in America on disability for the last five years. Then they rolled out this stupid vaccine. Now there's 4 million more people on disability since the vaccine. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Ace is the, the, the they, one. They, 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 they killed off an entire the the excess mortality from the day the vaccine was rolled out for 18 to 49 year old kids men men is more people than that than died in vietnam we experienced an entire vietnam war right there there are hundreds of people out there going through all the clinical data and pointing to all the irregularities and all the, the just the flat out crimes and the FDA and CDC and the federal government still sitting there pretending like uh, it's perfect. We want, if they're doing that to kids now, they're putting it in infants. Do you think they give a shit about electricity? Think about it. No, I agree. Uh, I mean, uh, I mean I'm, not, I'm not trying to. I mean, I mean, the only thing being... I'll add to that is everybody saw the recent scare with the children with hepatitis and British scientists. It hasn't made the, the U.S. press. But British scientists have concluded that this you know, outbreak of hepatitis in kids is because of the lockdowns and their inability to develop their immune system. And this is why, uh, you know, they've harmed them. Forget about the, the well, not forget about, but in addition to the tremendous mental harm that we're seeing, suicide rates, anxiety, depression, in addition to stunted social development, uh, to protect these kids, uh, they gave them hepatitis. And nobody has paid a price, right? Fauci now... It literally in a two-day period said that if he could lock down, he would have locked down tighter. And then he went on to rising and said, well, I never was for lockdowns, even though there was multiple clips exactly to the contrary. Until there's accountability, uh, this is going to continue. The question is, where does the accountability come from? That, you know, you're supposed to have two parties and a, and a judicial system. And you don't have that. You got one party. Uh, um, yeah, okay. hold, hold on one second before, we, but yeah, before we move on, I, I just want to say this in prodigal, you know how I feel about this coming from a political consultant, uh, standpoint and great terrorist back with us. Um, and Huntsman, I'm so glad to see you here. Um, for, for those of you waiting for, for the election grid to, to actually function, for the midterms, and hear me when I say this loud and clear, I am not uh, advising people to not vote. That is not what I'm saying. But I'm a huge proponent of managing your expectations, right? And, and I think, um, you know, as a minister, I, I would do my audience a huge disservice, you know, by not reminding people uh, that you place your hope in gold, money, uh, any graven image, including but not limited to man, and you will eventually find yourself, excuse the expression, ass out. And so I'm concerned about people who are holding on so tightly for the midterms 
And in you're right, uh, three aces and prodigal. It's like, well, who who is going to hold them accountable? Listen, and for people who are under some mysterious cloud of, of euphoria, thinking that Republicans are going to gain anything back and and actually and actually. Uh, cause anyone to to be held accountable is is like I don't even know what planet you guys are sleeping on, uh, because that's not how Republicans work. Period. Um, I, and plus, we're so fractured at this point. You know, I, I don't know that anyone could give you a straight answer about. I don't know. Maybe Kurt Potter could come up and tell us. I know he's in the space, and and he was uh, largely. Um, accountable for uh, the victories that took place in Virginia. Uh, I also spent a lot of time there in 2021, and I can tell you that people are in this political uh, malaise. It's weird. It, it's it, cognitive dissonance. Dissonance is absolutely taking hold in that in that uh, regard. Uh, but there's this. Oh, it's our last bastion of hope. And I, I'm like, well, oh, we're gonna get. We're gonna make the Mitch McConnell's gonna do the right thing. Really. And this is my space, and this is what I talk about on my show, so I can make it political. Uh, but when's the last time Mitch McConnell did the right thing? I mean, you're waiting on McCarthy as well? I mean, come on, guys. So I, I want to bring people to you who will um, empower you. Because you do still hold, uh, you know, your autonomy, even though it doesn't feel like it. And I know my industry sucks. I'll be the first person to admit it. I hate my industry, and I'm not even a journalist, uh, but I have great friends in this space who are. By the way, if you guys are not following Bree Dale, you'll see her with a blue check mark. She is a uh, Holy See correspondent for Epoch uh, Times, so please follow her. She's great. Trust her implicitly with information. So, But there are very few of them that I actually trust in my industry, and you know who you are. So I apologize on behalf of my industry uh, for, you know, we're worse than politicians, as far as I'm concerned, and, you know, I, I don't, um, I'm a commentator. That's what I do, but I'm not a journalist, but I do work with a level of integrity where I want to connect you all so you can tap into the things that will make you strong individually so you can make wise decisions. You can make sober, sound, sane, non-emotionally driven decisions uh, for your today and hopefully for your tomorrows, Right. Um, and I do believe that politics is downhill from culture, and we may have an ass-backwards system right now that no one is living according to the Constitution, as politicians go. Um, but if you're if you're if you want to be part of the solution, get your own house in order is what I tell my audience every day, and then get out there and run for office yourself. But waiting on politicians to do it for us, you can forget it. Um, especially those who have been in office forever. And I will say this, if you all think that you're going to have term limits, and I know I'm preaching to the choir with most of you, but unless you have complete infrastructure overhaul of campaign finance for form, you can forget it. it you know, Twitter, uh, Twitter, sorry, I was looking at Tara's message. Are you kicked out of here again? Probably. <laughs> so it doesn't like pretty girls that talk about financing. Um, finances, but yeah, it's we, there. This is a from the election grid to what's driving this recession, which a lot of people now fear could become a depression. I mean, I, I want to know what you guys think about that. I know, three aces, you started the show off by saying, forget about the definitions, 
right? Like it doesn't matter if, if you call it a recession, like let's focus on, on, on real life because we know whoever that is in the, in, on the white house green screen, um, it's not living in reality right now. Nothing coming out of that building is reality. Uh, so, so you have to, you know, you have to live in accordance with what you have in your own hand. What's in your own bank account? What are your skill sets? You know, it's, we're almost like on a, on an episode of survivor, right? So it's like, what do you bring to the Island in your respective communities, you know, that you can help, uh, continue on in light of, you know, living under this totalitarian craziness. I'm not really sure who is next, but I'm going to try. Oh, Tara's still here. Hang on one second, Monica. So. The, the, this this is the point that I was trying to make earlier. Um, your our corporate revenues, right, are going down. They're contracting. So if you own a company, right, you can pretty much kind of, um, you know, forecast that you know revenues are probably not going to be what they were last year, which means earnings are not going to be what they're last year. You know, there are some industries like insurance. I think Christopher's in insurance. He was talking about claims one night when we were on, <clears throat> you know, so that's obviously something that's somewhat immune from, from this kind of thing. <clears throat> right. So, so we're going into a period of time um, that's, we're going into a contraction, you know, whatever it is, recession, depression, it really doesn't matter what somebody calls it. It, what, it matters, you know, how we handle ourselves. So, sorry, I think Play Play was up next. PJ. Hi, thank you, Monica, Tara, Three Aces. Um, my question for you guys is, what are your thoughts around the fact that um, we are currently, you know, as, as a country denying any kind of <laughs> economic hard times? We're being told that unemployment's great, the economy's fine. What recession? And I want to know what you guys think will happen when there is no longer denying any kind of economic crisis and how then will this administration handle it? What can they possibly say to make anything right to their constituents, to us? They are never going to admit fault about anything. Inflation was 7.6% before the first word about Putin or Ukraine came out of anybody's mouth. It was already sky high in January of this year. Ukraine didn't happen until February. Oil and gas. He's blaming the gas stations for the price of gas. He's blaming, (laughs) blaming Putin for the price of gas. You know, they're, they're claiming that idiot. there's no problem at the border. They've never even been to the border, the administration. <clears throat> I mean, so, so you know, it's, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even, you know, it, you know that, that's going down a road of, of pain and suffering, self-inflicted. There's a better way. There's a better way, what Monica said, personal responsibility. Well, yeah, I mean, we're all hopefully taking that, but at some point, it's going to collide. You know, the the breadline and the administration is going to collide. And then what do you think might happen? I mean, does it get worse? Does it get better? They'll start handing money out to everybody again, which is what they did uh, the first time. 
right? What can they do? Goodness. Right. And, and or they can try to get rid of fiat money and try to really, you know, rein in control. Thank you, guys. It's very scary times ahead, I think. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, Tara, I'm glad you said that. I'm sorry. Oh, that was Emma. Oh, Emma. Oh, good. I'm so glad Emma's here. Um, Okay, sorry. I thought that was Tara. Go ahead, Three Aces. I'm sorry. Well, that's the other thing. I mean, you know, the banks, the banks are basically an extension of the United States government. At any given point in time, uh, the United States government can freeze your bank account. We had a guy in here the other night. He, he, every single tax return he's ever had in his life was filed on time. He's owned a small business. He ne- never, never a letter from the IRS, never nothing. One day he goes to check his bank account, it's frozen. $350,000 gone. The IRS took it. And then, you know, he wound up having to fight him to get it back. Turns out he, you know, they audited him or something, and it was an $8,000 bill he had to pay. Look at Putin. Putin had $700 billion in assets. Boom. One click. Finished. Anything that anybody that had anything to do with Putin, boom. Money frozen. Gone. Look at Trudeau. Right? So so the banks themselves, <laughs> you may as well just, you know, consider you're walking into a government building. They're, they're you know, they're, 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 you know they're, they're, they're basically a government institution. Right. Well, look how easy they, they did it to our own president first. They did it to Trump first. And look right. how e- they got away with it. I mean, if they could do it to him, they can do it to Putin easy. Yeah. So now, Emma, they're talking about having a, electric, a, a digital currency, like a crypto coin, right? You don't think they can shut that off in, in a split second uh, at any given point in time? Well, so I... I made a promise that it wasn't going to turn into a crypto or Bitcoin space, but I'm going to break my own rules for a second. So, you know, with that, and and there's someone in this space right now who probably won't come up, but um, who is extremely knowledgeable on, you know, the genesis of something really does matter, right? And I hear a lot of people in the Bitcoin world say, oh, it's impossible, like it's, you don't understand how nodes work and nodes are all over the globe. And if the power goes out, you know, it's like, there's this Bitcoin generator, right? And so, and I'm not making fun of you guys. So please spare me, you know, all the hateful messages that I'm bound to get after this, but cause I'm not saying that you're ridiculous. What I'm saying is that it is ridiculous not to understand the birthplace of that monetary system and think that you're going to have a different result. If you think that something ever (laughs) other than gold, and we see what happened, what was that, Three Aces, 1931? When was all the gold rounded up? (laughs) So, I mean, if you don't think they can turn off the lights to something, you have got to reassess your information database and and what's reality. I mean, because it is completely collapsible. And we see that happening within those markets now. So, again, I'm not... Um, I'm not anti-shilling for something, uh, but I'm just saying you have to take into account um, the genesis of a thing, uh, including our monetary system, and you know, and how we've gotten to where we are now. And I, and you know what, uh, you know, to to the Putin comment. I mean, and I do want to touch on this before we go this evening. Um, you know, Putin basically said, "Okay, fine, up yours. You know, here's bricks." Now I don't know how well that's going to work out. 
But, you know, what do you think all of these IRS agents have, are being installed for? I mean, they're coming after middle-class America. They're coming, um, you know, after tax-paying citizens. Um, I can't even imagine what's going to happen in our accounts. You know, I'm advising my audience to get the hell out of major banks and get yourselves in alignment with, you know, whether it's a credit union or, you know, uh, do something other than watching Bank of America hand over all of your uh, activity, you know, without as much as an actual warrant. I mean, it is insane the conditions we're living in in this nation. It, it is truly remarkable. I can see why you actually packed up and left. And I got to tell you something. I don't know if you guys saw the story come out of Mexico today, but those guys are super pissed that we're flooding Mexico where where they're like, listen, you folks on the left coast, stay your butts in, in, in on the left coast. Like you come down here and gentrify things. You're you're pricing us out of our own communities. You know, stay in America. I mean, it's it's it is absolutely unbelievable what's taking place. But you know, if you're a spiritual person, you understand really what's what's at the crux of it all. Um, okay, who was next? Well, Monica, do you want me to talk about bricks real quick because you were just touching on it and the payment system? Yeah, um, yeah, that's fine. Go for it, and then we'll go to because yeah. um, I have a people. I have a few people that I've been trying to get back up into the space, and I'd really like to hear from them as well. So, thanks for your patience, you guys. I appreciate you. And um, Huntsman, I'm, I'm coming for you. <laughs> I promise, I am. And Emma, I definitely want to hear from you, ma'am. So please hang out. Thank you. Right. So for those people who don't know. Oh, by the way, um, I've lived in emerging markets countries for the better part of the last 10, 12 years, a bunch of them. And there is none of this stuff that we're talking about in these places. Right. You know, all this crazy stuff that that's being talked about that goes on in America that you see on TV every day. There's other stuff. Um, but I've never seen a president of a country. You know, that includes places like Congo and Sierra Leone and Monrovia and Uganda and Zambia and Zimbabwe. Shut a company down his first day on the job for absolutely no reason, which is what Joe Biden did. I've never seen that in my life. I've never seen political prisoners uh, to the extent that you're seeing with J6. I've uh, never seen a show trial that's gone on this long. Uh, you know, anything like what you're seeing with these wackos on in Congress with this fake, ridiculous bullshit that they're doing with this uh, insurrection thing. I've never seen any of that stuff anywhere in the world. And I've seen some pretty tough stuff. So, so BRICS stands for Brazil, Russia, India, China. South Africa. It's an acronym. So for many years now, they've had like this little consortium, you know, whatever the hell it is, you know, trading partnerships, whatever. So when this thing happened with Ukraine and Russia and everybody put sanctions on Russia, okay, those sanctions not only apply to Russia, but they also apply to the countries that are not supposed to do business with Russia. Is two parties there. That's why America is basically a laughing stock now of the world because none of the countries other than Russia, besides a couple of the, in the Anglosphere, 
are, are, are honoring the sanctions either. Right. If Russia wants to sell $100 million worth of oil to China and there are sanctions, it's China who's supposed to not buy the oil too. It's not just Russia. And China's laughing at us like we're a joke because of this illegitimate guy in the, in the White House. Right. So because of that, so if you want to send U.S. dollars electronically, international, not domestic, in the United States, you've got something called an ABA number. It's down at the bottom of your checkbook, right? So if you're sending money from California to New York, you can do you do it on the ABA system. But if you're sending money from Kenya to Hungary or any other country, including in and out of the United States internationally, you have to use something called a SWIFT code, right? So every bank, you've got it. Every one of your banks has a unique SWIFT code, just like an ABA number. So, so if you're in... Kenya at bank A and you want to send yourself 10,000 US dollars electronically to bank B in Kenya in Nairobi across the street right that money's got to go to the New York Federal Reserve system clear it there and then come back to bank B even though the banks across the street right that's what's called a reserve currency right that that's part of the reserve currency system Right, because when you walk across the street into Bank B to pull out that ten thousand bucks, the money's got to be there, right? Right. Unlike Zimbabwe, you send ten thousand dollars and and it's not there; it disappears, right? Because they don't have any reserves. Okay. So so so, what the BRICS have done have said, you know what? Screw this. Screw the sanctions. Screw all of it. We're going to have our own SWIFT system and our own payment system, right? Because all commodities worldwide, they used to be anyhow, I don't know, it's changing now, uh, were priced and paid for in U.S. dollars. That's why they call it the petrodollar, right? doesn't matter. Corn, coal, copper, cobalt, nickel, zinc, oil, gas, uh, lithium, lumber, soybeans, cattle, whatever it is. It's priced in U.S. dollars and paid for in U.S. dollars, or it used to be, right? So if you can't use the SWIFT system because they've sanctioned it, well, you can't do that anymore. And that's how they enforce the sanctions is they block Russia from using SWIFT, right? So now they have to do something else. So in the past month, this guy in the White House is so pathetic, okay, that not only do you have the five brick countries, BRICS countries, but Saudi Arabia now just made an application to join them. Uh, Argentina, which is not the big deal, but in and of itself, Iran is now joining them. And so is Venezuela. Right. So what most people don't understand, right, is that China has had a suction cup over the top of every single country in the world. For the past 15 or 20 years, through offtake agreements, okay, to where they're basically buying every single natural resource that comes out of the ground and shipping it to China, right? So if they actually pull this system off, it's not going to be BRICS plus Saudi plus Iran plus Venezuela plus Argentina. 
going to be a hell of a lot more countries than that. Now, the United States dollar is very, very strong in the marketplace. Okay, like 60, 70 percent of all transactions worldwide are bought and paid for in U.S. dollar currency. Okay, like I'm sitting in Guyana now. I just got an invoice from Caterpillar. Right. I mean, they've got the Guyanese dollar here. Right. But the invoice is in dollars. Okay. So same thing in Africa and the rest of that stuff. So, so basically, um, the risk, right. So, so I don't think we're going to go from where we are today now to in one shot, you know, uh, the U S dollar being knocked off its, its pedestal is the most powerful currency in the world. Um, but you know, it's like 10 shades of gray, right? So, so somewhere in between where we are now and that end game of no longer, you know, the U.S. dollar miller, it's very possible that this thing uh, that comes out of BRICS is real. And one of the problems with that is that a lot of those countries, they own U.S. government treasuries. China has sold $200 billion, $300 billion. I don't know the number in the past couple of years. They've been selling, selling, consistently selling treasuries. So has Russia. Well, Russia's gone now. So, so have a bunch of them in BRICS, right? So all of a sudden, the reason why they buy those treasuries is to facilitate that, that liquidity in their commercial banks inside their countries, right? So they keep treasuries on deposit with the Federal Reserve, and when they need liquidity – put into their banking system. That's what they use to get liquidity in and out. That's why when you go across the street in Nairobi, the $10,000 is there. That's how it works. So all of a sudden, these countries don't have to buy our treasuries. They're not using our dollar, right? For anybody who wants to get an, an understanding of what happens when you lose control of your currency, go and look at gold, Priced in Japanese yen. The price of gold in Japanese yen this year is up about 25 or 30%. Right? Go look at gold priced in Turkish lira. I think gold in, in Turkish lira in the past 12 months is up a bit more than that, than the yen. So, so okay, but you're not suggesting the, big, the dollar. What's that? You're not suggesting the dollar is going to be just. Simply because the dollar could lose its global reserve currency status, you're not suggesting that it would then become um, like the yen is now, or that that is an eventuality, but uh, like the lira is now, right? Like to be to be fair. Well, well, one of the reasons why the dollar is at uh, multi-decade high, or whatever you know, this recent high it was. It's because people are buying it. They need to use it for commerce. Yes, sir. Right? Right. So yep. if they're no longer needing to buy Sri Lanka, the reason why Sri Lanka did what it did, not only because of the, the WEF corruption, but they ran out of dollars. Right? Right? They don't, they they don't export. They don't export. The countries that are doing well, like right now, Guyana, the one I'm sitting in, is the fastest growing country in the world or one of the top two, three, whatever it is. Why? Because they just hit 20 billion barrels of oil or something. Exxon's here, mobile, you know, all the major oil companies are here and this place is booming. 
Why? Because they're exporting commodities that are paid in dollars. They're swimming in liquidity here because of that. To look at another country that, that doesn't export anything, look at Pakistan, even India. These countries that are, that are importing dollar-denominated commodities and not exporting anything are the ones getting creamed across the board. Right. So, so again, I, I look, I, I'm just a, a schlump. I'm not, I'm, I'm nobody, but you know, I think, you know, I have, I have a view and an opinion and stuff like that. The, 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 the big picture here without getting caught up, that's the thing. You know, a lot of people, you know, on, on Twitter, there were, you know, in wall street and stuff too, they like to go deep, deep into the technical, technical stuff. I'm not that guy. I want, I want to understand the big picture. The big picture is the world has completely changed in 18 months' time. That's true. Okay? You walk into a goddamn corporate yeah, corporation in Los Angeles, and they're telling you to check your temperature and put a mask on and to use a vaccine car, uh, fucking passport. <laughs> okay? It's like you get a piece of pizza... It's like you're checking into a government building, okay? Right? No country in America outside, you know, no country in the world at this stage of the game respects America the way they did. We've lost so much power, right? We're going into a recession, okay? The, 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 the relative value that the U.S. dollar is worth a hell of a lot less today than it was even 18 months ago. We've got a global energy crisis on our hands, right? I'm not a puppy dog. I don't need my nose rubbed in shit, okay, 10 times to know to go to the bathroom outside, okay? I've seen all of this stuff already in one shape or form or another in other countries. The second I saw it, I was like, this is not going to end well. So so how how it actually goes down I don't know, but by the time we get there, it's too late. Sorry, Monica. No, 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 you're good, you're good. Emma, I'm so glad you're back with us. Thank you for joining us. I want to do something really quickly, though. Um, Golden, if you're still in the space, because I I got your message, and I know you've got very important business to tend to. (laughs) So if you're in a position to unmute yourself and and speak, please do. Uh, If not, oh, good, you're still there. Excellent. Did you you have something to add or a question to ask? Okay, cool. Monica, yeah, pleasure. And I can make this brief and, and I appreciate the conversation that's ongoing. Monica, as I mentioned, I, I lived in Washington, D.C. here for um, 17 years uh, and um, won't be here much longer. It's kind of like, I imagine some people, some freedom loving people living in East Berlin, um, you know, some decades ago. I had a daughter four months ago and we are uh, not raising our family in Washington, D.C. Um, Amen. Uh, the question I had for you is, is if, if we if we play this out long enough and it's, you know, I, I mean, culturally, I feel like we're entering the dark ages. We talk about um, uh, de- recessions or depressions and economically and things like that. But culturally, uh, you know, and psychologically and socially, I feel like we're we're entering into dark ages. And you know, obviously it's important to have good relationships and be self-supporting and 
um, you know, and have good relationship with a higher power, um, good relationship with God. And, but my question for you is if we, you know, in, in America, if we play out the politics on a long enough timeline and we, you know, head toward federalism where we have, you know, some, uh, you know, free trade economic zones, we've got some governors and some legislatures in certain states, you know, mainly the red states um, that, uh, and then, you know, that attracts certain certain people like myself and my family to those places and draw them out of places like Washington. We've seen, we've seen a lot of uh, migration in the last couple of years as a result of some policies. Um, my, my question is, is that a good resolution for us? Is that going to happen? Or, are, or is our country so embedded with institutions like the banking systems, and 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 we're all tied, of course, to the U.S. dollar. Are are we, are we able to find some freedom in certain areas in the decades ahead, or are are we on one boat that's going to sink or swim? So that's that's my question to to you. And I'll step back and listen. And and uh, I've got a, a little baby to um, put to bed. So I appreciate this, and God bless you all. Thank you for that. If if you're at, are you directing that question to me? specifically or to, to anyone. You, okay. Okay. To three aces. Sure. Uh, to Emma, to whomever. Sure. So I, I will, I will say this, and this is, this is kind of a constant, um, banner over my life and, and my show, my platform. Um, unless a body of people understand and accept and yield to, the precepts of freedom and the author of said freedom, you will never truly live in freedom. And so I'm looking at this uh, politically. Uh, the other, the other folks will have more of a, of a, of a monetary answer and that. And that's, that's fine. That's perfect. That's why we're all here this evening. For me, I think whether it's, you know, a, an individual, a family, a city, a state, a county or a country that overspends, that finds itself in a debtor's prison, whether it's to, you know, Amex or the CCP, right? Whether it's to municipal bonds that are about to go completely bust. Um, that is a moral depravity. That That is a moral issue, in, in my humble opinion. And of course, I'm coming at it from a ministerial standpoint. So, if I'm looking at it from that standpoint, it doesn't matter where you run because wherever you go, there you are, right? And I don't care how many people, you know, thank God, oh, Hank, what's his name, Johnson, doesn't believe that Florida's an island. <laughs> this is just a political joke for those of you who get it. But, you know, with everybody moving to Florida, for God's sakes, that poor man, and he's in Georgia, God help us. He would think that it's it could possibly flip over, right? It could it could turn over any day now. But seriously, think about the people when they migrate, right? This migratory process. They take their crappy politics with them, which are fundamentally rooted in a lack of morality on every level. So whether it's social or it's economic. And and there has to be a compass involved in someone's mind and in someone's soul and how they spend money, how they interact with their neighbors, the policies that are okay for their respective communities, how they build their communities up, uh, you know, how they pour into them, how money is spent 
on a, you know, community level, on a state level, all of that to me is part of a moral underpinning that I think we have completely, um, that shelf is, is no longer there for, for a very large portion of this country, sadly, even those who proclaim Christ, and especially those who proclaim Christ, because 3% of the church actually reads its Bible, so we don't even know what we what we profess, much less apply it to our daily lives. And that's an indictment on us. So I think if you're going to continue to uh, procure and curate freedom, you have to first begin uh, by understanding who the author of that freedom is and and what it what the practical applications of yielding to that to said author right um, and and that doesn't mean going along to get along it doesn't mean uh, adopting every wind of doctrine it does not mean yielding to um, the concept that all of us can just hold hands and sing kumbaya and globalism's going to be wonderful and isn't it great you know we all get to uh, we all get to sit in our homogenized vat of, of AI programs and, and remember the good old days of feeling and thinking and making mistakes and failing upward and, you know, rushing people out of office and, you know, all of those human characteristics that we have that, you know, it's just called, that's what happens in a free society. You got to take the good with the bad. We're living in this homogenization effort right now that won't allow you to do that. And good is being redefined and bad is being redefined. So I think all of that to say, wherever you go, there you are. I'm seeing Tennessee as a place that I'm actually looking at acquiring land in Tennessee at the moment. Um, that is a massive hotbed for red state uh, migration. Uh, Florida as well. and But I'm under no grand illusion that that can't alter at any given point in time. You know, Nashville is extremely blue. And I'm watching my state of Georgia, Atlanta, extremely blue. We talk about a migratory process from hell. We have people coming from the left coast and New York uh, due to film credits and, and all scores of things. We have a huge tech um, industry here, you know, we have a, it's just, it is madness what we've given away in the state of Georgia for the sake of quote, economic, uh, you know, development. <laughs> uh, so, you know, again, not counting those political costs where everyone ends up purple and ultimately blue. I think you have to be cognizant of the fact that, you know, wherever you go, your those politics can change it in a, in a moment's notice and so, you know, start on the home level, like I said, you know, to build up your respective communities to to be the places that you that you want them to be and, and, and not yielding. I will say, I don't know how most of you feel about this. I would imagine most of you are not for this at all. But there is a massive push. And Kurt, I, I definitely want to hear from you on this because I see you in the queue. There's a massive push right now for a convention of states. And that scares the living hell out of most constitutional, you know, uh, Puritans. And, and I understand that. Um, but I, I'm getting to the point where I'm wondering, you know, if you're not going to see the United States balkanized, and I know some of you are like, oh, that's ridiculous. That would never happen. Really? Well, I bet you never thought you'd see a Venezuelan uh, election occur in this country either, but you did. So anything's possible at this point. Everything's on the table. So if I don't want to see my nation balkanized, and so I'm curious, you know, about this this concept, and I have had the president of Convention of States on my show, um, and he made a very lovely case for why that would be, you know, a good thing. Um, tricky, 
it's a it's a tricky thing at this given point in time. But unless unless the states are going to start standing up to the feds and and you know in such a way that is is palpable, um, you're in in and and by constitutional legal manners. I'm not talking about anything crazy. I'm talking about using your God given state, your constitutional given rights as sovereign states. You know, um, until that happens. I don't know that we will see a shift. And, and Kurt is definitely someone who can speak uh, more eloquently to that and kind of process and procedure of how all of that could occur. Um, but I hope that answers your question, at least from a humanitarian standpoint or from a spiritual standpoint. And Monica, this is Kurt. I, I'll talk when you want me to. But uh, in all reality, I, I'm trying to figure out how to raise my hand here and I don't know how to do it. I know that sounds weird. <laughs> okay, so what you do is you hit the little heart. It's okay. Uh, hit the heart. And then, uh, and guess what, Kurt? You'll get to pick whatever hand color you identify with this evening. So if it's black, you can click on that. No one here will judge you, even though I know you're not black. However you feel, you know, just click on that hand and it'll raise. And then and, and then we will call on you. I, I want to do this because I know Emma's been, you know, bopping in and out of here. Uh, three aces or Tara, unless you have an additional answer for, um, for Golden. And I don't blame you for fleeing uh, D.C., Good grief. God bless you. And congratulations on your new person, on your little blessing. That is wonderful. I love that. Um, and thank you for your patience this evening. Um, yeah, if you guys have an additional answer, please add to it. Otherwise, let's do this. Uh, I would like to go to Emma. Then I'd like to go to um, Huntsman because God knows he's been patient. Uh, and go over to Kurt uh, and go over to uh, Bob. If I'm in the wrong order, please don't hold it against me. I, I'm I'm not really paying attention. Icarus, I see you as well. Um, and Weimar would be awesome. Okay, thanks, guys. I think I'll yield my time to somebody who's more knowledgeable on the on the matter that we're talking about. Well, if you had anything else that you wanted to add, um, and I know you've been up here for a while, so we can either pivot because um, he may have actually gone to take care of his baby at this point. <laughs> I mean, Monica. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I... yeah. So, so Monica, you know, my philosophy is very simple. You know, I've been a citizen of the world for, you know, whatever, twelve years, whatever the hell it's been. I've been to a hundred countries or something. My daughter put them on a map once. The kids have been to thirty countries with me. <clears throat> um, I've done business in. 15, 20 countries. Um, you know, and my philosophy is I go where I'm treated the best. And America is the only country in the world that treats its own citizens like crap. I've never been to a country, you know, we talked about Dubai. We talked about Sierra Leone. We talked about Uganda. Talked about Guyana. We consider about all of these places. Consider the European Union in 2011 to 2013. Cyprus, uh, Greece. They've treated their. They've they've done bail-ins where they basically just empty people's bank accounts. Um, so. That's so, all. so 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 basically, I myself personally, right as a white heterosexual man in a place like California, you know, 
in, in uh, Los otherwise, Angeles. Otherwise known as as a modern-day domestic terrorist, yes, welcome. Literally. Right. It's so right. ridiculous. So, so my, you know, like in Los Angeles or San Francisco or any one of these sanctuary cities, you know, if my son gets pulled over without a car registration, without insurance, without license plates, he's on the front cover of the newspaper. Tens of thousands of dollars in lawyers and fines and everything else. Can he just if an illegal if an illegal immigrant if an illegal immigrant gets pulled over in that situation, they let him go. Right? <laughs> so again, I'm not a puppy dog. I don't need my nose rubbed in it ten times to know, right? Right. I go, you know, Dubai and UAE, they roll out the red carpet for you. Any other place in the world, you're treated like royalty. Right. As a guest and, you know, and so on and so forth. Right. America is the only country in the world that I know of. Right. Today. Who treats their own people worse than they treat people breaking the laws on the streets. In any event, uh, Bobby J, I think it's you, my brother. You're listening to The Monica Matthews Show live on Twitter Spaces, which you can tune into every Thursday evening from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Today, we're talking about the economy. And coming up, we're going to get to some solution sets. People want to have solutions. Hey, guys, Monica here. If you have an IRA, 401k, or savings account, things are super scary out there. The Biden administration's already printed more money in the past two years than the previous 100 years combined. The national debt hit a record $30 trillion, and inflation is the highest we've seen in over 40 years. Listen, it's only a matter of time before the house of cards comes completely crashing down. If you have retirement savings, your money could be at serious risk. Talk to my friends at GoldCo to see how you can protect your retirement with gold and silver before it's too late. Go to MonicaProtectsWithGold.com and they will give you $10,000 or more in free silver when you open a qualifying account. That's MonicaProtectsWithGold.com. Welcome back to the Monica Matthews Show. We are live in Twitter spaces. Coming up, we've got some solutions and other concerns. Yeah, um, Monica, I'm completely aligned with what you're saying. Even if I have to kind of extrapolate uh, what a solution would be to this problem. And as Three Aces knows, I'm aligned with him in many ways. Um, The... You know, what worries me the most when I look at countries like Brazil, and I know three things about Brazilians after spending time there. They all know how to make gnocchi. They believe in God. And they assume and have learned to live with and take take it, take it um, for granted that, well, that there'll always be corruption. And that there's nothing they can do about it. And when I look at the issues, the list of issues that uh, citizens or voters are worried about the most, it could be the economy, it could be inflation, it could be uh, abortion, it could be wealth inequality, it could be racism, it could be military spending. But I'm, I'm 
baffled why corruption and accountability is not at the top of that list. And part of it is the media, but until that becomes the number one issue, we're doomed. Um, we've become callous to corruption. Uh, when Spiro Agnew was booted from office, it was over a $29,000 violation. Uh, people take it for granted today that, you know, that, well, take it for granted. They've grown accustomed to, to corruption and they are not shocked that there's gambling going on in the casino. And, you know, one hope I have is that um, because the average age of a senator in this country is 65 years old, uh, which is at a record level, and with age and incumbency, which is comes ridiculous, a, a bucket of wealth that they've accumulated uh, through their office. I mean, the good news is that these people will be dying off soon. But in That's terms of the solution, I ask all of you to kind of give me some ideas of what are we going to do, you know, other than put our money in gold or um, vote for a certain party um, or a certain candidate. You know, I believe that we have to vote every incumbent out of office, uh, no matter what party they're in. Uh, you know, what, what's our plan? Because I don't see it. You know, we're, we're kind of talking around these issues. But what do we do when we get up tomorrow to make this change? Well, OK, so so my my initial thought was. The next right thing. I'm not speaking in platitudes, I, and, I, and I'm really not trying to avoid the question. I, I just feel like if the system isn't working, and, and we're in, here's the deal. We're coming up on the midterms where you're going to see whether or not this election grid has any plausibility or not. Whether you're going to you're going to see whether or not it's made of you know uh, what are those things, the, the little uh, the little wiki sticks. Right. That's what I've referred to this election grid as a wiki sticks game at this point. And Kurt is probably laughing and we'll speak to that in just a moment. Um, but that's that's one part of the system that is supposed to work in this country. Right. And so we're coming up on that. And right now we know where we all are. We've been talking about it for over two hours now where we are economically. We know that our standing is changing in, in, on the global landscape, I believe. And, and I think, and we just touched on that with, with bricks. So our standing, the, the respect for our nation, the, um, you know, on every level, um, and quite honestly, in some regards, culturally, you know, we've earned it. So we've earned it. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's like, you can listen, this is how I see our country right now. This is going to sound really crappy for some of you, but it is what it is. I feel like the train has already wrecked. Right. So, so what are we, I'm not waiting for this collision. I'm already living like, like, you know, three aces started out tonight by saying the big picture. Right. So you have to kind of accept where we are. 
And then, and what is the plan? Well, the plan should be the constitutional pattern by which our states and and we all as individuals and our Congress and our Senate should be adhering to to those plans that have you know been put in motion uh, for us to uh, succeed as a nation and to continue on as a nation. But I think the plan has to be an individual plan of how the heck do you plan on surviving uh, for the next, you know, uh, as we put this thing back together. I happen to think the country's already imploded for a number of reasons. So I'm looking at it like, all right, do I want to stick around and help put this thing back together for my grandkids? Or am I going to, you know, sail off to a to fantasy island and just you know, look hot in my bikini like Tara. I don't know. I haven't decided yet, <laughs> but, but that's where I am. So Bobby. Yeah. Yeah. And Sorry, I don't mean Mike, to make light of it. I, I, and after the, and after you finish um, three, I want to go over to Huntsman for sure. Cause I want to talk about this, this project he's been working on, but go for it. So Bobby, you know, it's kind of hard, right? Like, you know, if you're in New York city, right. You can't, well, what can you do? I mean, in New York City, I mean, we talk about, you know, equal rights, which I just, you know, talked about Los Angeles with the car example. I mean, this guy can't even defend himself. You know, he's the one with criminal charges, the guy in the bodega, the woman who stabbed him, (laughs) who was stealing from him. She doesn't have any criminal charges, you know, I mean, you know, so, you know, it's like, I, I, you know, my motto is I vote with my feet. And I vote with my wallet. Okay. You know, and, and, and I'm willing to go to any lengths, including jail for my civil rights. Right. So once, once, you know, once, you know, you know, the, the issue that we have is a crisis of culture. in America, Right. And, 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 you know, what, you know, if you're a values based individual, you know, voting with your wallet and voting with your feet is pretty powerful. Right. Look at Facebook collapsing. You know, is it because of the economy and is it because of the lockdown trade and all that? Yeah. But it was down 50 percent before the first rate cut. Right. I have a funny feeling a lot of that has to do with the way they treated 85 million voters during the election cycle and with the way they've they've suppressed free speech with the. People are voting with their feet and they're voting with their wallets. Over to you, Hunts. Hey, everyone. I uh, appreciate, uh, well, two things. One, the, the invite to, uh, to speak. Thank you for that, Monica, and then for uh, Javier Goya for uh, putting me up for that. Uh, and also, thank you, Monica, for the patience of uh, the uh, constant barrage of phone calls that have interrupted my ability to be in and out of here. Um, you know, what, what three aces is talking about and, and you know, the question that was asked about what, what do we do? What's concrete? Um, I actually have uh, a thought on that. Uh, and just real briefly, the, the thought is that the supply chains will save us. And of course, I'm probably the guy most of you would know for saying something like that. But f- fundamentally, logistics, supply chains, all, all of that is, is just a thing is, you know, at point A and it needs to get to point B. And the manner and the method by which you do that is is infinitely variable. Um, a thing just has to be able to move. And 
<clears throat> we have laws and regulations and, and physics themselves governing how we do that. You know, you can only carry so much at one time and uh, a particular mode of conveyance, or you may uh, legally be only allowed to transact certain things or in certain quantities, whatever it may be, or by certain financial means. But there, uh, there, if one thing that doing a lot of, uh, you know, more squirrely, you know, maybe gray type logistics projects has taught me is that there's always a way. And so a concrete example would be, uh, I, I supported and, and, and helped um, a project out of Northern California to build a, a PMA, a private marketing association. And, uh, you know, PMAs have for some time been, you know, some niche way to maybe try to get around uh, food laws, for example, or country of origin labeling, uh, in some cases to be able to sell illicit drugs or at least drugs that are illegal. Um, I'm not really a maximalist uh, one way or the other on, on the issue of narcotics, but um, in this particular case, the idea was to set up a, a storefront that's a private membership association, and you paid a $10 annual fee to be a part of the association. And within that, the association was able to, from within the membership, uh, or purchase on the market, uh, vegetables, uh, various foods, manufactured products, things like that, that as long as it didn't run afoul of uh, California's uh, or, uh, excuse me, the uh, food manufacturing laws uh, or USDA uh, could be offered for sale. So certain things like eggs, uh, milk, meat uh, had to be handled a certain way. But what it, what it has created and what is so compelling is the success of this is people, thousands of people uh, now here a year later, uh, members of the store or of the association who some are buyers, some are sellers, uh, some are both. And for a lot of these people, it has become their, their weekly stop to see what uh, candles someone has made this week or what cuts of steak uh, a rancher uh, has processed and put on the shelves you know, through, through the custom slaughterhouse method. And it's, it's right up to the edge of breaking the law, but it is a compelling uh, test case in how community and individual initiative is working together to circumvent everything but the law itself. All of the ways people say, well, I can't do that. That's probably illegal. Well, did you look? Well, no, I didn't. Okay, so then the PMA stepped in and helped them find that this may or may not be legal. This definitely is legal. And they didn't think it was. And it's a really amazing way that, that the, this community has kind of rallied together. And you're seeing gardeners and home cooks and home artisans transacting with one another, whereas before they would have gone to Walmart or Target, uh, you know, or whatever grocery store they may choose to acquire some of these things. And as you see a movement like that grow across the country, you can accept these things anywhere. They're legal in 50 states. And it's a supply chain solution to a market inefficiency that's driven by politics. And that's driven by, you know, the captured interests, if you will, of politicians by big ag, big meat, big dairy, big everything, right? But they've broken the mold there. And then when you see things like, you know, Representative Massey from Kentucky, I think for like six straight legislative sessions in Congress has tried to push the Prime Act. And it's getting more and more and more co-sponsors every time, which allows for a much more expanded definition of custom slaughterhouses, or custom slaughter operations, and really allows for a uh, more competitive stance in the market for small and medium-sized uh, ranchers uh, and, and uh, you know, 
poultry and swine and beef operations to be able to get their products into the market without having to go to these uh, very expensive, highly regulated, very distant uh, USDA regulated slaughterhouses. As you see these types of laws come into play and pressure grow for them, you're creating a supply chain solution that drives a policy requirement, but it all began with, as Monica said, and as Breitbart famously said, politics being downstream of culture. You create a culture of cooperation, a culture of maybe a little bit of rebelliousness, like, hey, we're not really breaking the rules, but it feels like it, and we're helping our neighbors out, we're helping ourselves out. Uh, you know, so that test case has been so uh, inspiring to me to just from kind of from the background, be watching a little bit and advising to after having helped you know, set up on the food safety side. And uh, it's, it's amazing. And I believe it can scale uh, and it can scale rapidly to a lot of places. So, you know, to, you know, three aces to your point about what, what's something tangible we could do today, 30 days from now, somebody with a very little bit of funding, I think this storefront was set up with like four grand in startup capital. So <clears throat> is that a lot? It depends on how many people want to throw in initially. But with a little bit of organization and, and a little bit of willpower um, and a little bit of grind, what you've seen is this, this one woman who started this store who has a logistics background like me. That's how we know each other. She said, there's, there's a supply chain solution to this problem, and I'm going to make it work. And she's made it work. And, and now subsequently, it's turned over management of the store. Uh, and it just continues to grow and thrive. Uh, it was a really compelling zero to one type of thing. And... Uh, you know, I, of course, I'm always going to advocate. I'm going to be the guy that always advocates for individual Americans, you know, getting their heads together, solving a problem. Um, so that kind of stuff, if, you know, if you want more details on it or whatever, you can DM me. I, you know, I've got no dog in the financially. It just, it's, it's a super cool example of Americans working together in, in a way that kind of beats the, the government at its own game. So um, really amazing. Uh, but Monica, I think maybe you also kind of wanted me to touch on like uh, probably like Fufang, Chinese subnational influence campaigns, like kind of one of the, the yes, threats please. we're facing at home, if you will. Yeah, okay. that's awesome. Thank you. Um, uh, sorry, I, you know, given a chance to rant about supply chains and like individual liberty, I'm probably going to no, choose I'm so that glad first. you did because it's important. It, it is exactly where we are. So it's the right on time message. Thank you. Yep, no worries. Um, so the Fufang thing for uh, those who don't know, essentially Fufang is a uh, corn wet milling company, they make uh, a number of value-added ingredients from processing corn uh, in China. They're Chinese domicile. They're based in the Shandong province. Legally, they're based in the Cayman Islands. For anybody who knows anything about how China works, if it is domiciled in the Caymans or in the British Virgin Islands, it's probably a shell company that exists to uh, sort of exert the will of the CCP abroad. Uh, the company is also publicly uh, traded on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, which, again, doesn't mean anything. Um, Fufeng is, is really an interesting case of the belt in my, in my view, the belt and road project or belt and road initiative coming to the heartland of the U S the premise is, is that they would set up a, you know, buy, uh, 370 acres of farmland, which they've already done that transaction concluded on April 28th and uh, be able to establish a, a wet corn milling operation on the North side of Grand Forks, North Dakota. Uh, for those who are not familiar with Grand Forks, North Dakota, it's pretty close to Canada. Uh, it's not exactly corn country, although there is some amount of corn grown there. Uh, most of that corn gets exported uh, either to Canada or uh, to uh, Asia via Pacific, via rail connectivity to the Pacific Northwest. Um, but, but certainly there's no, um, you know, in situ or local corn processing uh, for that reason. Uh, the main source of ag processing up there is going to be oil seeds. 
uh, and or uh, sugar beets. Uh, it's just not a place where corn does really well, very short growing season, not a lot of heat units, uh, not a lot of availability of uh, markets close by. So naturally, it was very odd to me with someone who has a strong agribusiness background uh, to, to see a wet corn mill going in, in the middle of uh, everything country except for corn. And uh, as, as I began to dig deep into this at the end of last year, it became very clear that what was happening here was a very uh, large scale uh, you know, sort of a wicked synergy, if you will, of local and state political interests uh, on the U.S. side. And what I firmly believe to be a malign intention on the part of Fufang as being an instrument of CCP and PLA policy uh, coming into the U.S. What's interesting about influence operations in general, particularly subnational, is they're, de they're designed to key on, on identified weaknesses. And this, the, the, the stated food products that would roll out of this corn mill initially are, um, initially they were saying MSG, but they've walked that back, uh, monosodium glutamate, which is an ingredient in almost every processed food. Uh, and there's a lot of that made in the US. Uh, it's gonna be amino acids. It's gonna be lysine, both dry and liquid formulations. It's gonna be threonine, a uh, little bit of valine, uh, maybe some tryptophan. And these amino acids go into animal feed primarily. Uh, they're constituent components of that. And if we, right now, we import about 40% of our amino acid demand. We import 100% uh, of our vitamin requirements that goes in animal feeds. And so what Fufang targeted was a known supply chain gap in the U.S., which is uh, critical raw materials for animal feed, and uh, as well as human food ingredients like xanthan gum and things, and said, hey, we're going to come in. Uh, it's going to be a great win-win, which is, you know, if you see the words win-win used in a project involving uh, Chinese companies abroad, uh, you can be sure it's Belt and Road. And the, uh, the, the nature of this was such that it was so compelling to the state officials because they're desperate. Governor Burgum and, and his, you know, cronies on the energy side are desperate to get more natural gas out of the western part of the state, out of the Bakken, and over to the eastern part of the state. Because if it crosses state boundaries, if they build a transmission pipeline that pushes it into the larger domestic or international network of natural gas, then they require FERC approval. And right now, FERC is very unfriendly to natural gas projects for you know, climate change reasons, right? So they needed to find another solution. That means domestic consumption. They need the natural gas to be consumed because they are currently at their methane caps in North Dakota, and they cannot be approved for any more uh, oil drilling in the western part of the state. And that really is the economic driver of North Dakota is the taxes uh, that come off the energy sector. So the more natural gas it gets consumed, the less they flare, the more they're able to drill. So they've really tried to do this two ways. One is a, a massive amount of investment into attracting crypto mining uh, in, in various locations. Crypto mining has its own very significant national security issues. That's probably a different topic. Um, but the other one is value-added agriculture because uh, ammonium nitrogen fertilizer production, specifically anhydrous ammonia, is very natural gas intensive. Uh, requires a lot of heat, and it's also a feedstock uh, to produce uh, produce fertilizer. And uh, uh, other manufacturing operations for food and feed ingredients that require an awful lot of natural gas to uh, heat the steeping tanks, to dry the material once it's done, to power the facility. Uh, all of that requires a lot of uh, energy in some way. It could be coal, nuclear, whatever. Uh, but in this case, natural gas, that's the only abundant thing they really have that they can tap into in North Dakota readily uh, once they get the infrastructure built. 
So the devil in the details being the city officials, uh, of course, are co-opted by the state level. At the state level, they're co-opted by Fufang, who says, hey, our corn mill comes in. We generate a lot of excess material and opportunity to uh, spin up natural gas production. And then you get this ammonium nitrogen plant, not Northern Plains Nitrogen. They've been trying to build since 2013. It's uh, deeply connected to China as well. Uh, and that requires even more natural gas. Now you have the justification to build a natural gas pipeline that costs a billion dollars from the western part of the state to the eastern. Everybody in North Dakota's dug in on this, says, hey, this is a great thing for the state. And, and some asshole like me comes along and says, your economic interests are irrelevant here. This is 100% going to be a national security problem because you built it 13, you're trying to build it 13 miles from Grand Forks Air Force Base which for a lot of reasons, maybe not publicly known is an absolutely critical node in our military installation network. Um, but it, it, while it's not known to the average American, it would certainly be known to Chinese intelligence. And uh, it has been a, a battle uh, for months to, for anybody to really care about this. Um, the, the deal has mostly gone through, including the purchase of the land to get this thing done. And uh, now, you know, it's it's as of May when CNBC, Eamon Javers at CNBC ran a fantastic uh, article explaining that this was a real national security threat. Now we've seen the the sort of the noise machine within the media spin up. Um, a lot of effort that I've gone to in D.C., you know, physically visiting D.C. as well as, you know, uh, various phone calls and, and, and reports I've had to write and what have you. Um, and this isn't all on me. It was one of those things where it's like, all I had to do is make enough noise that the right people got attention. And, and here we are, this much larger, long burning issue we're all familiar with uh, because we pay attention for years. The issue of Chinese land purchases in the U.S. Uh, is now a topic that everybody's talking about, even at the local level, at church, at the bar, whatever it may be. Uh, and we had to get to that because it is an enormous national security threat. But the way I've looked at this whole thing is, is I almost don't blame the CCP or PLA or China for this, what have you. Um, the enemy's gonna enemy, right? They're always gonna do something and you're not gonna blame the enemy for doing what the enemy's gonna do. The, the, the fault really lies with us. The success of subnational influence campaigns to co-opt local officials and universities and whatever, uh, and stay below the radar of federal oversight and military oversight. Um, that fault, that failure, the success of those campaigns is a failure on us and it is on us. And we have to be more diligent about finding these things. We have to be more diligent about holding local officials and local elites and businessmen who, as we've seen in Grand Forks, everybody involved in this has tried to cover it up and tried to deny that there's an issue. And they've, you know, used Matt Pottinger's name, you know, Trump's former national security council leader. And, and, and they've used all these things and, and they've done everything they can to act like they care but stonewall and delay. In this case, that hasn't worked, but it's happening in a lot of other places that haven't gone public yet. And, you know, again, to three aces point, what's something we can tangibly do to kind of right the ship, make things better, uh, get ourselves correct. It's to be absolutely ruthlessly intolerant with local elites and city officials and state officials who welcome these sorts of things in against all good common sense and continue to jam them down uh, their constituents' throat because they have an economic or political interest in doing so. Hansen? I'm sorry. Um, sorry, real quick. Um, do you know Kyle Bass by chance? 
not personally, Colin, I've interacted numerous times on social media and uh, I think I've, extremely highly of him. I have no idea what he thinks of me, but hopefully yeah, it's nice. I, I think he'd think very highly of you. Um, and I'd love to put the two of you in touch because he's on the National Security Council and this is obviously something that should be on their radar. And it sounds like you probably have a lot of things that you would he would love to hear that <laughs> that you could share to with him. Well, the first uh, the first big project that, that really kind of got a lot of public attention in the last year around this was the the story that he broke with um, uh, Sung Won Sheen uh, down by Del, you know down in Del Rio uh, next to Laughlin Air Force Base. You know, very famously, hundred some odd thousand acres purchased for wind farms. Um, I don't think I could have got anywhere near the traction or attention on this issue in Grand Forks. Uh, without the enormous, against all odds, kind of heavy lift, uh, he and, and a few others were able to do in D.C. on that issue. It's a, a really heroic work to, to pull a zero to one like that on an issue like this. Yeah, I think, I mean, he said he was flying, he was flying in the helicopter with his, like, headed somewhere for a vacation and actually saw that big piece of land and was like, wait. Told 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 the guy like what, what are we seeing? Asked the pilot, and he's like, uh, "That looks like a right next to the military landing strip, a big hot." Yeah, <laughs> and so he said, "Pull pull over, go down there," and <laughs> took pictures, and then started really investigating it. But uh, it turns out, you know, the, oh yeah, they're really trying to build windmills right there. Come on, well they want to connect to our electric grid and our military electric grid, which is obviously not okay well it's 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 not just the electric grid uh we're seeing a huge increase in the u.s of air force and space force uh installations being targeted and the biggest reason for that is that really the next the next domain is not even the digital it's it's the sky right it's space outer space uh and low earth orbit and beyond and you know without getting into an awful lot of details for why that is there there is a reason that Space Force was reorganized, uh, I kind of out of the air, like as an appendant body of the Air Force, but with its own budget, its own mandate, its own mission set. And uh, I know a lot of people, have, you know, kind of uh, dunked on Space Force, maybe for some of this, you know, calling them guardians and the silly uniform suggestions and things like that. But uh, so much of what they do is, is, is hyper classified for good reason. Uh, we do have a for now, really strong competitive advantage in that domain that, that we've allowed to erode in other domains. Um, but, but being able, particularly on a proximity basis, to co-locate, um, you know, uh, it could be monitoring stations for, you know, collecting digital signals, uh, transmission. You know, like I mentioned, the crypto mining facilities, those are just massive servers uh, that are designed to do one thing really well, and that's compute and process data. They're not designed to create content. They're not designed to, you know, do, make video games. They're not designed to serve up information like a consumer devices. They're designed to compute at incredibly high speeds uh, and at scale, um, which is really a perfect, uh, perfect opportunity to collect data, you know, keep it, you know, keep the transmission signal very low, uh, move it to one of these facilities, process all that raw data, and then send a much smaller package of data that's harder to detect that's, that's got kind of the finished product for the intelligence side so when, when you take a look at all these things happening most of them right now are happening next to air force and space force installations because of the fact that air force and space force play kind of the pivotal control role in uh transmission of data for all of the uh uh you know military forces deployed around the world for the u.s 
as far as anything we're doing in the air and space. And so that's all open source. That's all kind of commonly known info. But um, for, for every Texas, for every North Dakota, uh, th there's probably 50 of these things lurking out there near in Colorado and California and Florida um, you know, that haven't gotten on anybody's radar. I have a question for you. How much of this is coming mm -hmm. through? Um, how much of how how many of these quote projects are coming through um, Sido? Most of them, most of them come in through, from what I can tell, site selection companies. Um, so this is where a uh, a Chinese holding company uh, or, or even a shell company reaches out to a firm in the U.S. that says, hey, we want to put up a manufacturing operation. We want to do this. We want to do that. And uh, the site selection company says, hey, this is legitimate. They jump in. They go find a list of uh, locations where certain types of requirements, you know, germane to the to, to the manufacturing or the company uh, are met. Um, and, and then they zero in. Uh, now, all along, of course, one or two sites may be the target. You can easily influence that. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's it's all all of the activity is is laundered through the the guise of commercial activity, uh, which is very much in keeping with China's sort of gray zone philosophy of warfare, asymmetric warfare, military civil fusion, all of that. Um, the the idea is to co-opt and and coerce by hiding in plain sight, and um, so you're, you're typically not seeing the, any sort of direct vector. Uh, that's obviously connected directly to the Chinese government. You're usually seeing these like uh, sort of adjacent or sideways uh, commercial projects that, you know, if you don't know what you're looking for, you're certainly not going to find them until it's too late. Sure. Yeah, I was just thinking, you know, every state, especially ours, has this wonderful economic growth program. And so I'm just wondering how many of these things can really hide out, you know, in orgs like Sido. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with SIDO, you can check it out at SIDO, S-I-D-O, America.org, the State International Development Organizations. Um, you might be shocked to learn just how embedded the CCP is with your state government. Um, one reason why I always, you know, scream from the rooftops about campaign finance reform is because until you get rid of the independent expenditures, the C4s, uh, you never know who's made what deal with whom. Uh, speaking of a total shell game, you know, it seems like everyone is on the take. Uh, I know that sounds hyperbolic, but I mean, just things that have been uncovered, you know, in research in recent years and months uh, is slightly uh, shocking. I mean, we have our own, uh, you know, uh, lithium battery plant going up here in the state of Georgia, which no one wants a part of the constituents here. Uh, but that in and of itself is a Soros uh, CCP, Brian Kemp, who's supposed to be a Republican, uh, you know, a great idea. So, yeah, I, I thank you so much for bringing this great information to us. That is wonderful stuff. I think three aces came back up. Did you have something that you were going to um, ask or add? Three. Me? Yeah. Me? <laughs> yes. Okay. Twitter's decided to uh, update its app several times with, for, with me tonight on the call. So I keep getting booted out. Sorry. Now I don't have an edge in any of that stuff. Mike, I would, I would just add on my side, um, that to Huntsman, it's not just happening on farmland. So like here in, um, where I'm located right now in Kansas city, for example, 
um, a couple of Chinese, quote, art collectors um, that are billionaires decided to take a rundown um, urban school that had been closed and pour money into it to create it as an art gallery. And they build it as right next to um, what they call... Um, uh, it's it's a vine district, it's a, you know, where the Negro League Museum is and all that different stuff is, right? So they could bill it as helping um, economic development in this underserved area. But what they're not saying is that it's um, literally probably less, I mean, maybe about two miles from the regional FBI building. It's a mile from uh, an AT&T building that clearly, you know, has um, other um, intelligence aspects to it. And it is literally blocks from multiple embassies um, that are in Kansas City. And so um, so that's happening in other places, too, and beyond just farmland. And this is I have a good friend of mine um, who is in, quote, the private sector. And um, and this is something he monitors daily. And this is all being pushed by local city council members and things like that who get flown to China on these quote partnership trips and wined and dined um, and they push it through because obviously they end up in these nice houses and whatever else <laughs> after they get out of office. And so the point is, I'm sure this is happening in many other areas. These people know they're smarter than our politicians. They know that our politicians, a lot of them, if they weren't in office collecting a check year after year after year, would be struggling and probably not even really make it out in the real world in a lot of respects, right? So they know how to how to manipulate that system, and um, that's happening. That's happening in a lot of places. Good yeah, if, uh, if, if you have any sort of job uh, that requires you to handle sensitive information, don't go anywhere near Resorts World in Vegas, uh, the new place that was built, uh, just, you know, that it, again, it's it's that kind of stuff that it, it hides in plain sight. Uh, they're much more clever. Uh, our enemies are uh, about building and weaponizing these things than we are about detecting them. Um, so, absolutely, absolutely right. And we have you see politicians, you see people like Ray Dalio, you see people like Bloomberg, who is running for president, being interviewed about asking, and the the interviewer says um calls refers to xi jinping as a dictator and bloomberg goes what he's not a dictator and she just looks at him like stunned i mean when you have ray delio just stand up there and lie through his teeth about about what really takes place it it, it makes it, it allows the people of america to believe that there's nothing to worry about or that you know their next door neighbor might or not realize that their next door neighbor or the 80 Chinese people in their AI class at NYU, for instance, aren't aren't partially perhaps sent by the CCP. Uh, so it would be it would be great if you know our billionaires could stand to just not you know, fall for that stick. I mean, they really need another shuffle. I guess so. I, I you know I don't know. Well, you know, and, and, and to the point that you were making there, um, you know, somebody had mentioned as a what can we do to change this? Like, what's what's the thing that we can do to change? Right. And I don't like to be the pessimist because I'm very much an optimist person. But the problem is um, 
it's really a trick box that we're in right now because yes, the ideal thing would be to take this massive money in our politics out and make these people actually um, go to the people and do whatever. That's an ideal world. Term limits, ideal world. Reality is it's never going to happen. It's not going to happen because you can be a bartender audition to be a congresswoman and then have millions of dollars, $20 million in your political pack that you can then pay your husband as a consultant and, and drive around and fly around first class while pre- preaching green energy, right? And uh, on a private jet somewhere, you know what I mean? So that's my, I would say the biggest threat, aside, you know, obviously China, in my personal opinion, is the biggest threat. Obviously, our threat to what Monica's saying, spiritually speaking, is a big freaking deal. But the problem is right now our media, our journalism, because let me use the example. They're all over here with Ukrainian flags in their avatar or on their Twitter handles talking Ukraine 24-7, the war, the invasion of Ukraine. But then they're putting out articles, which I shared on my Twitter, um, where they're referencing the annexation of Taiwan. What? The annexation? Like this is like we're like like we're just like China's just going to approve an unincorporated area. <laughs> this is these are free people in a free world that happens to have host extremely important infrastructure in these chips and all these other things that China's about to take, and we're referencing it as an annexation. And so that just goes to show how corrupt our current media is if we don't have legit journalism then we don't have a democracy yeah i would i would agree with that uh i'm not sure who just uh spoke up but let's do this because i'm about 45 minutes over on my show but it's fine it's fine i'm t- i'm 1000 enjoying the conversation and i just saw okay. someone come in who i absolutely would like to hear from um and do me a favor keep your mic muted until I call on you because it gets a little unruly when we do that. And that's not how I run my spaces. Thank you. Uh, but I see where Mr. Um, Anas has come into the room and I know that um, he travels quite a bit. And I know three aces probably invited him in. I, I do want to do this, however, because there are one, two, three, four, five, six people who have been waiting for a long period of time. So um, three aces, I'm going to let you um, handle that order. And, and then we're going to, th- these will be the last uh, six folks, actually seven. Um, Weimar, do me a favor, hun, and raise your hand. So I know that you have something to say. And if you don't know how to do that, there you go. Um, and yeah, so we'll go to the last seven people and then we're going to close out the space. I'm sure three aces will open up something else or be a part of someone else's, but th- this has been a part of my show this evening. So, um, yeah, that's why we've kind of bounced, you know, a little bit, uh, on subject matter. So thank you for your patience. You guys who have been waiting in the queue for a while, but three aces, uh, would you mind doing the honors please, sir? Yeah. Hey doctor, how are you tonight? Uh, good. I, I do have a, a question for my friend Huntsman uh, along uh, the point that he mentioned and what Monica mentioned before that before him. Uh, but to set the stage, I need to mention two stories uh, so I can ask the question. The first one is I was invited to speak uh, at a conference uh, overseas, and there was this very fancy room with two beautiful girls, Chinese girls, at the door uh, greeting people. And I looked inside and I can see the word, the kind of like the word oil and energy and all this stuff inside. So I walked in 
and immediately I can feel that I was not welcomed. Uh, and two American, two older American gentlemen uh, asked a lady from inside to come out, and she was Chinese American, came out and she asked me what I'm doing here. I said, well, this is a conference, and I thought this is part of the conference. And she said, yes. I said, what do you do? She said, I invest in oil. I said, how? I am, I am an investor in oil. And she said, well, here is what we do. We own wells, and we ask Chinese investors to pay 500000 to a million so they can get a green card by investing in oil wells in America. That's, that's story number one. Number two, I know a city here in Texas that wanted to build a fancy hotel. And they couldn't get financing from anyone because the hotel does not make any sense. And all of a sudden, someone showed up and he told them, look, I can get you financing from China and we can do this. And 500,000 apiece or a million and everyone can get a green card. So the question to you, Huntsman, is how common is this? Um, So he just DM'd me and said to extend his apologies. Uh, and I can only speak not as a national security expert, uh, but as someone involved in politics who has dealt with politicians for over 20 years. Um, I, this is not, I don't think this is uncommon at all. And Kurt, you may be able to speak uh, a little bit better. And if there's anyone else in the space who is involved in the national security uh, you know, side of things, absolutely come up and speak to this as well. Um, Prodigal, you may have an answer to this, but I know husband said that he had to uh, bounce and he did extend his apologies and awesome. Sorry for that. Um, so yeah, if there's anyone else who can speak to that, Kurt, uh, you know, uh, you're part of the military as well. Uh, you've seen a lot of things go down. You're certainly in politics full time. So what is your answer to that? Yeah, I think, um, so there's a couple of things that are going on here and I'm going to try to speak at 50,000 foot view because if I start getting into the weeds, it's going to take all night and I don't want to drag you guys through that. But, um, much like, uh, aces um i've been around the world and uh actually i i really enjoyed his um definition of slavery because actually what he did was he effectively gave the um definition of tyranny so tyranny is the arbitrary or despotic exercise of authority by definition and so what i'm what i'm hearing from from folks all over the country and i've heard it tonight somewhat is almost a fear of, and and I guess that's the best way I can say it is, oh my gosh, look what's happening in our country. You know, the the borders are open. Oh my gosh, look at our economy and all all these things. And people get so focused and hyper-focused on these issues. And I think from a political standpoint, you know, the way I I look at things is that issues are, are not a focus. Issues are a tool. And so when we start getting into political strategy, um, how do we use those tools becomes the question. But when I start to take a look at people who are saying we're at the end times here and this is going to be it and there's nothing we can do about it. Well, if that's the case, then why are we here? Because I think there are solutions. And I think the, the reality is, is that it's important to take a look at things like China, the CCP, and them being involved in not only oil here, but also our farmland and, and those sorts of issues. Um, I think it's important that we look at the at, at gold. I'm not a big proponent of the gold standard, but I do hold some physical gold and silver. Um, I think 
I'm, you know, I'm a big believer in, um, in many, many commodities. Um, and so when I, when I take a look at this, I think the answers that we have to start to look at is that personal responsibility that everybody was talking about earlier. And so we have a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. But that's only if the people are con controlling their governance. And so it's interesting because I'll, I'll look at people all the time and I'll say, what's a right? And they're like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, define a right for me. And they can't define it. They'll tell you, well, it's something given to me by God. Okay, so you know where you get it, but what is it? And so what they don't realize is that a right by definition is a just claim to something. But in order to maintain your just claims, you have to have something called freedom. And I hear people use freedom and liberty interchangeably all the time. And so when it comes to that freedom, what freedom is by definition is your ability to think, speak, and act without externally imposed restraint from somebody stopping you. And so, but in order to have that ability to think, speak, and act without somebody stopping you, you have to have something else called liberty. And liberty, and this is where it blows a lot of people's minds, is that liberty is immunity from the arbitrary exercise of authority. And so how do we get that immunity from what I'm hearing people be afraid of which is the exercise of that arbitrary authority over top of them. And the way we do it is by exercising legitimate authority in return. And so liberty becomes, liberty becomes the buffer between tyranny and our freedoms. And so in order for us to maintain our immunity from that arbitrary exercise of authority, we have to exercise our authority and authority by definition is your, is your power and right to make decisions and give commands. But how do we get there? And that's where politics comes in. Because politics, by definition, is social relations involving strategy to gain authority. And so what I hear is a lot of people who go, the sky's falling, the sky's falling, and there's nothing I can do about it. Actually, there is. And it's about building relationships. And, and and the thing is, is not just with your elected officials, but with the people in your community. This is about building that um, culture inside of our society where we step up to take control of our governance, where we take responsibility for what our governance is. And I'll put it to you this way. I've, I've uh, run 15 campaigns and I'm 13 and two as a record, but it's because of the strategies that I employ to make that happen. One of the lessons I learned in the military is you never walk into a battle hoping you can win one. You walk into a battle having set the conditions for the win before you ever get there. And it's an important lesson because we are not doing that as citizens. If we're supposed to have a government of the people, by the people, and for the people, then the people have to be directly engaged and involved. And so to get into that would be would take quite a while. But I think that that's the important takeaway here. I can, I can hear people complain all day long or all night long about what's wrong with our society. And yeah, we've got a lot of things that are wrong, but what we have to do is we have to step up to fixing, to fix those. Yeah. And so that's, that's where it becomes, that's where it becomes incumbent upon us to get actively engaged. And, you know, it's funny because there's a, there's a book, a book, a uh, poem written by Rudyard Kipling, and it's called Gods of the Copybook Headings. And, you know, when, when you read it, 
you realize that this was written in the early 1920s, but when you read it, you realize it's about today. And there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new that we're dealing with. All we have to do is step up to building the relationships with our elected officials, building the relationships with the people in our community, and building the culture that we are going to engage in to take the responsibility for this governance on our own. And I walked away from the Republican Party in 2008, and I found that I have far more authority uh, when it comes to governance on my own by building those relationships, using these issues as a, uh, as a tool to put people in places where I need them to be so that they end up making the decisions I want them to make. And we have to start taking a look at our responsibilities that way instead of just, uh, you know, looking at the problems and saying, oh, no, what are we going to do? I would agree with that. I think Anas left us. Um, but yes, I think overall, to answer his question, it happens more often than we would ever dare um, want to admit. And sadly, we have a compromised judiciary. So uh, yes, we, we can be the change. But you know what, Kurt, with all due respect, I, I think we should be the change. But I also realize that, you know, our academic institutions, most of our pillars in this country have been, and Emma, I think, would attest to this as well, have been completely infiltrated for a generation. You know, I mean, this isn't this isn't something we're just going to blast our way through uh, with, you know, uh, without God, first of all, uh, and, you know, without a very uh, a clear path forward, you know, and I think in your respective communities, like you said. So, um, OK, I'm going to be wrapping this space up soon. So I want to move on to other people who have literally been sitting here for over an hour with their hands up, just like you. <laughs> so um, and maybe someone else will start a space after this one. But I do want to get to some other people. But I'm super pumped that you were able to be here with us tonight because I've been trying to get you in my spaces for a while. So thank you. And thank you for your hard work on Virginia. I think that uh, that obviously paid off. So thank yeah, you for that. You bet. What, the, the last thing I would just say real quick is the beautiful thing about Virginia is this. I, so the, the permanent election integrity infrastructure that we built in Virginia has nothing to do with government. It is all individual private citizens who have stepped up to the task of building it out in their state and are actually taking control of their election integrity. Excellent. Okay. All right. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you. Um, and thanks for being here with us tonight. Okay. Here's the order we're going in. You ready? And, um, and I know three aces is hanging out with all those giant bugs that I keep hearing in the background. Um, and you know, sipping cocktails and, and Guyana. So I'm not bitter at all. <laughs> I'm not remotely jealous. I'm just, you know, grateful that you're here with us tonight. Um, okay, here's the order we're going in, and then we're going to uh, say goodnight. I'd also like to say hello to Patrick Fox. If you guys are not following Patrick, please do. I believe he has a sub stack. Uh, he's a prolific writer and serving the country. So, um, great guy. Coming up, we're going to hear from some of our brothers and sisters across the pond with dire warnings about what we should be paying attention to as Americans. Stay tuned, you're listening to The Monica Matthews Show. Hey guys, Monica here. If you have an IRA, 401k, or savings account, things are super scary out there. The Biden administration's already printed more money in the past two years than the previous 100 years combined. The national debt hit a record $30 trillion, and inflation is the highest we've seen in over 40 years. Listen, 
It's only a matter of time before the house of cards comes completely crashing down. If you have retirement savings, your money could be at serious risk. Talk to my friends at GoldCo to see how you can protect your retirement with gold and silver before it's too late. Go to MonicaProtectsWithGold.com and they will give you $10,000 or more in free silver when you open a qualifying account. That's MonicaProtectsWithGold.com. Welcome back to my Marathon Spaces on Twitter, my live show every Thursday from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Great guests. Tonight, we're talking about the economy. Hi. Um, thank you for this very interesting uh, space. And I was a bit confused because I thought that people jumped in, but thank you. Um, uh, first thing I, I want to say is that I think the only way to have a plan is to first uh, your community self um, solving issues around you and uh, of course there's also another problem which is the corruption going on um, and I want to, to just add to uh, three aces that I was impressed by his big picture thinking uh, saying he's not you know, from Wall Street and technical things well it, it's been my, my focus for 30 years now what the big picture is and how is it, it's evolving has to do with my profession, but I will leave it out of the discussion. Anyways, there there is a lot of lot of stuff going on. Um, um, uh, the the um, there I wanted to make the difference between a dollar and the offshore dollar. The onshore dollars, the ones you, you know, that's the one that is you know uh, debased. That's that's where the inflation is. The offshore dollar is the expensive dollar. That's not what you pay with. That's what the rest of the world pays with, and that's going, you know, strengthening a lot. So it makes that people with weak currencies, you know, see their currency go down and have to pay their debts with these euro dollars. So the, the, they get like a double whammy. And there is a problem there. Um, and um, but it's important to see the distinction and. If you talk about the dollar itself, so not not what the rest uses, the euro dollar. If you just look to the dollar itself, I think what we now what 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 you what should be part of this picture this is the next thing that's coming, and that's the pension crisis because it's like at least 18 trillion of money that isn't there of states that have to you know run balanced budgets. And thus the state will help, and thus the state will also uh, put these uh, these states who don't have the money for these pensions. Because imagine what will happen if firemen don't get saved their pension. So it has to be printed, and it will be inflationary. Even if we have seen now a period of deflation, it will be inflationary. So the, the, I mean, in, in, in during COVID was. 10 trillion printed, it caused inflation. So, so whatever happens, when that arrives, it will be inflationary. So the problem is that the state, the federal state, may have say, okay, we will help you, but you have to do this, this, and that. So I want to warn you for that. And the other thing, on the world scale, it used to be that the IMF got resources by making deals. There's a guy who, who, who posts about it under the name of economic hitman, you can see for yourself. Basically, now the structure is that countries or 
or regions with problems have to do, who do, do deal with the IMF or with the EU or whatever. There are several structures that they have to uh, to be helped, you know, with these problems. They have to comply with uh, sustainable development goals. IMF has these now. Formerly they, they didn't. Now they have. So now. The, they use kind of all these all these ESG uh, stuff and all, all the crazy stuff. Oh, the, 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 I'm from the, from Holland, so I'm you know with my farmers. Uh, um, all this kind of madness will be dem- will be used with the infiltrated system. You know, World Bank, IMF, the, the whole deal, uh, Pax Americana institutions. All these, uh, uh, the West is just Leninist and China as well, and both infiltrated the whole shebang the guys who used to pay the politicians let's not make a, a secret about it they pay the campaigns whatever there's always kind of, of, of influence these guys um they they they, they won't make money Z- that, that's it 17 percent of the revenues of wall street is china so the problem is that the guys making money aren't loyal anymore the reason why you hear Ray Dalio say these things is because his money is in China. So he will say wonderful stuff about Xi. That is your problem. This is, but you, for yourself, if you feel, if you ever feel um, powerless, don't think that. Remember Jefferson. He said, when injustice become, becomes law, resistance is a duty. And I think the best way to do that is as a community that you have. And, and if, if you have a good community, if you have some, some skill that you can provide others, if you can be useful to others, forget about Wagnons. If, you, if, if, if you're an influencer and you have a big crisis, forget about it. You know, it's, no, it's not serving anyone. If you can, can fix a fence or you know, help your neighbor or whatever, that is when you're, you're, you're useful. That's the kind of culture you need. And then you have at some point, and it is not a nice thing to say, you have to stand up for the values, for everything your grandparents died for or stood on. You have to stand for it. There's, there's, there is no excuse about it. At some point you have to. That's just all what I wanted to say. Thank you so hey, much. Weimer. Weimer, how does the Netherlands end? Tell us how that story ends. Um, this is a very, um, very complex thing, but I will try to give it in a very short, cutting corners uh, way. Um, here's how it ends. There are two endings, because we live in the EU, and that's pretty much fucked. If, sorry, sorry for my profanity. Um, but I have no, no other way to say this. There's two out, outcomes. There's the, the thing that nobody thinks about, but only these West planners and the EU itself. And no one sees that coming if that happens. This is the es- escape forward. That means that on some day, a Saturday, maybe even on, on, on Christmas, you know, these guys have no morals. So what they will say is... Uh, to, we are a federation of United States of Europe. Yeah, it, I mean, you're allowed to laugh about this. I'm pretty ser- serious about it. This, this is what they, they talk about. 
It is not even a secret. It's just in the documents, you know. It's just constantly there. It always has been that they... Also, Jean Monnet is very important French politician, very important for EU. Most Americans don't know. But he basically said, from crisis to crisis, the solutions will forge Europe. So this federation state, you know, they, they try to, to, you know, mimic the USA, but without civil, civil war. As if that's going to work. But anyways, that's what they have in mind. They want to do it slow cooking. There's the other thing, which is what, what everyone is talking about, for at least since it exists, is that it will disintegrate. And there's, there's one important thing. There's a, there's a, to boil it very, to boil it as simple as possible, I think that we have to fear both outcomes. Because it would be great if it disintegrates. Because it, it would allow us to have our own values back and not a bunch of bureaucrats following the, the, you know, the, the people from WEF. But these, our farmers, they're not going to, to, to you know, be impressed by it. They're going to, if it has to take a civil war, it will be there. And I will be at their side. There's, there's no, pro I, you have to at certain po pro, uh, uh, points. You, you can't just roll over every time. That's not how it works. You have to stand for something. And if you mean it, you, do, you stand. And, uh, and there's lots of support for these farmers. Of course, the media tries to, to you know, uh, spread all the fat, but people aren't far, falling for it. These farmers are also not dumb. They, um, um, uh, most of them are pretty highly educated. Uh, also a surprise for many, um, but uh, they are. And they are also not stupid because they, they exactly know the, the, the plans of the, the web. So that's also what, they, what you see on banners. These, guy, these guys are not to be fooled with. That's pretty clear. So, and I think um, our government um, is pretty arrogant and doesn't understand that when they say it will be civil war if you keep pushing this, that, that they don't take it seriously. And I think if you trample on, on the absolute basis of people's incomes, I mean, let's, let's put it very simple. These guys have, for, for centuries, sometimes 500 years, run a family farm, you know? And then some bureaucrat from Brussels with zero experience in, in farming says, you people, you're stupid. These guys, you have to give it to us. 70 million people, not 350 like US. 70 million people, and we are the second food producer in the world. We carry way above our weight. We are very small. And we, this is not just one thing, so we are prou proud of it. And it's also important. It's important. It's an important job. That's the dignity of the job to feed people. When there is a crisis in the world on food, and someone comes with the idea to, at that moment, attack the farmers, we feel this responsible and we take it seriously. And that is what I would also advise others when they think, oh, this is very wrong. I have to stand for this. 
That is, that is injustice. And we don't even have made it into law yet. There is no law. This is just politics saying things, wanting to do things, while they not even have a law in place. So there's a lot of going on. And it's, uh, the big picture is EU will fall or EU will become a very authoritarian state because they're not going to give votes when they declare it a country. It's now not a country. You use just, you know, supranational bureaucrat uh, lobby nest. At the moment, they say it's a country. It's a country. And we have seen how authoritarian they can be during COVID. And this is a warning because the WEF does not respect nations. They, 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 they don't have loyalty, not, not loyalty to any flag. These guys who make money in China don't have loyalty. You have to look back to the Cold War, how we handled with communists, commun communists because that's exactly what we're dealing with. And, and we have to make choices. What, what values do we stand for? Because if we don't, they will tell you what values you have. And then you will, it won't be just NBA at China that, that, that starts self-censoring. No, the, the whole thing becomes one big censor thing. And with media, the problem is the media used, that's how it always was taught, used to control democracy, you know, control politicians. The problem is, when there's a war, they, they are a part where people are made, massaged, to be ready for war. It can be very healthy if you have to defend your nation. Something else when you attack a nation, of course, but it is, propaganda is a tool. Uh, I mean, every army knows. It can be used in a way that is ethical because then you you can say to people look we're, we are being attacked we have to defend that that's 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 legal i think but if it's used against your population your own population it means you get attacked you get attacked there's only one way out and because they are paid and who's paying them so if you feel attacked by your own government or by an a force outside, you know, not your nation, but it's not stopped, then you have to think, what's happening here? And here, my nation, I say, the WEF is attacking my nation. That's how I see it. And that's also how these farmers see it. And if we don't stand up, the next day we, we, we end up in a new country called United States of Europe. And then it will be very authoritarian because no one wants this, of course, uh, not normal civilians. And then we have a civil war. So it's, and if we disintegrate, we get a lot of tensions in Europe. So I think ultimately the plan will fail and it will end in war. But I also think that many countries risk by this authoritarianism for the great good, or whatever they call it, that they, that basically they're core values where their grandparents stood for the things that they deem right and good and the thing attacking them evil just plain evil just biblical that at some point you have to stand for it and this is how 
cessation, you know, cessation and how things fall apart. And it could happen in many nations. And this, of course, could also be part of the plan to divide and conquer. So we have, at a certain point, I think there is no escape in standing, standing for who you are. But the first thing is, take care of yourself, take care of your loved ones, take care of your neighbors. Um, become strong. You have arms. These arms were for armed militia, should not be infringed. Hold that there. Fight for it. And, and try to do as, as, as peaceful as possible, but at a certain point, if they really, really you know, put too much control on you, and I would say uh, digital uh, central bank currency definitely is one of those, you have to stand up. You can't wait for someone else to, to rise up. People rise up in occasions, leaders, because they really think, okay, that's enough. Someone has to do it. It won't be some kind of bureaucrat. No, it will be someone who really, you know, really means it, who sees the, who sees the, the issues around him, see the suffering, see the evil and the injustice and, and the rape of, of, of good values, of, of what makes you feel proud about your country, what makes you feel home, what makes you love your country. That's the most important thing. The web, web guys, they don't love people, they don't love countries, they rather, you know, threaten the nation so their sponsors can take all the assets out and just, you know, a complete sell-off of, of anything you stand for. So that's how I, I think about it. Sorry for the long-winded uh, response. It's okay. Thank you. And thank you so much for taking the time out to communicate, you know, what's happening with you and and your people. It's very important. Uh, it all, you know, it all affects us. I guess I've always just looked at the EU as one giant totalitarian uh, movement. <laughs> so, um, and I have relatives in Germany and Greece. I mean, they're spread out all over Europe. So, um, but yeah, I've always thought the EU was bullshit. Excuse my language. Um, so thank you very much for that. I appreciate you. And, and I have you in my prayers and I'm now following you. And again, I suggest that you guys follow each other. There are a lot of great people in this space. Um, okay. So whoever I said was next, please go for it. And then I lied and I brought up one other person because he's in all of my spaces and Medi's going to go last. I appreciate it. Hi, it's Sylvester. So another country calling from Europe and uh, God bless America because otherwise we are fucked up. Uh, I agree with my colleague from uh, Netherlands. Uh, that uh, European Union uh, is going to uh, tries to 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 become a, a, a nation, which of course is not acceptable uh, by other countries uh, except Germany. And just to give you the brief uh, perspective, uh, the Poland is a small country, just a little bigger than California. And we have this unpleasant situation that we are placed between Germany and Russia. So every time they love each other or they hate each other, uh, they need to cross our land. 
just to give a punch or just give a kiss. So you can imagine in which situation, in what situation we are living for thousand years. And for 120 years, we were, we disappeared from the, from the, from the map because our neighbors, uh, Germany, Russia, Austria, uh, they simply divided our uh, land uh, and simply we, we disappeared. So we have quite a long history of uh, harsh neighborhood with those countries. Uh, right now, the Russia is still Russia and the Germany become a European Union. So just to give you the how we how we see it right now. Uh, what you just said about, I've heard uh, on, on this room about the crisis made by the war uh, on Ukraine and that happened on the, um, February this year. It's not true. The war with uh, Russia became, started somewhere in t 2008 in Georgia, where our president and also president of Lithuania and other Baltic countries they just came to 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 georgia just few i don't know hours before the tanks the russian tanks uh, entering the, the the capital of uh, of of georgia and they just simply they, they they went there they stood on the on the central square and they simply by they they presence they 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 stop the the tanks there, and what our president just said that the Georgia will be the first, then there will be other countries, there will be Ukraine and perhaps Poland and Baltic countries. Imagine what has happened two years after in two thousand and ten. The Russians just destroyed the the plane with our president and other. 96 person on the plane uh, and they said that this is the catastrophe the the, the the simply it was just incident uh, and the wreck is still uh, in Russia for those already 12 years it didn't come to Poland they still examining this the, this wreck uh, which is can be obvious for everybody that it was not the accident. So, when uh, we heard about uh, the, the Russia also uh, started uh, the kind of terrorist attacks on Ukraine, but they also start working together hand to hand with Germany, uh, passing over the Poland and uh, Ukraine, other countries, by the pipelines with uh, the gas, uh, making the Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2, the pipes in the bottom of Baltic Sea, bypassing uh, those countries straight from uh, Russia to, to Germany. When our government and Polish people start saying that it's a threat that is uh, simply a, a weapon. This is kind of a, a tool of uh, simply making pressure, uh, physical pressure on other countries. Then the Germany 
they said no it's just um, business uh, imagine that uh, former um, governor how to say it uh, of, of Germany uh, Mr. Schroeder became one of the CEOs of Gazprom Russian uh, main uh, company dealing with gas so when the start on Ukraine just happened the, the the war on Ukraine just happened it seems obvious that those uh, Nord Streams and other um, ways that the Russia was imposing their pressure on uh, Eastern countries it was real coming to the end I mean of course the the the, the whole history could be much 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 longer but still uh, the only that why I started with with this God bless America because uh, otherwise we do not see um, okay the future will because we we used to fight a lot both with with Russians and with Germans so it's nothing new for us but definitely the friendship and their strong relations with uh, with you guys uh, <laughs> definitely uh, help us and uh, yeah that's that's what I wanted to to say and the the, the last word for 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 my colleague uh, from uh, from Netherlands uh, don't start a civil war when you have a real war just uh, two doors away from you because this is exactly what Russia wants to do uh, we have a history of anti-nuclear uh, riots and stand-ups in uh, Western Europe which were driven by uh, Russian um, by Russians so I think that those movements which are right I totally agree that European Union shouldn't uh, became a one country and uh, just those clerks from Brussels shouldn't uh, mess with with uh, legally um, legal uh, authorities of uh, European countries but right now uh, talking about the civil war in any country in Europe is work of uh, Soviets so just don't just try try to balance this thank you thank you thank you for joining us um, okay who's next two minutes my phone is going to die very soon <laughs> so was, yeah who's next uh, Icarus uh, I just wanted to say thank you for having me on here, uh, number one. And uh, luckily, I have some, you know, I just wrote some bullet points down, so I should be able to just get through these pretty quick. Um, so, number one, like Tarish said, uh, since the weekend and now today, Wikipedia, you know, actually changed the definition. I'm more of a financial guy, by the way. Uh, changed the definition of, you know, a recession. I think all this, we already know. This is kind of, get, this is out of hand to the point where they're changing literal definitions of words to make sure you know whatever needs to be aligned with their goals is aligned uh number two 
I do not believe this is going to be anything like 2008 uh, because this is not mainly caused by a housing uh, crisis. Um, you know, it, the majority of 08, I believe, was caused by, you know, the, the housing industry. Right now we have a plethora, you know, of, of issues um, between, you know, the code stimulus, between the rigged stock market, between the Ukrainian war, between possible you know, war in Taiwan. Um, yeah, it, I just, I, I don't think it'll be anything like 08 when everything does come crashing down, so to speak. Um, and uh, I did want to say, you know, also for those who don't know, the U.S. dollar, um, if you didn't know that, it, it's actually fiat currency for those who don't know. Once we got off the gold standard, we are no longer... An actual currency. We're just a fiat currency. We call ourselves the petrodollar because we're mainly backed by oil. But if you you can look it up on Google right now, type in is a US dollar fiat currency, it'll tell you it is. Um, I wanted to say Biden releasing his strategic reserves of oil was probably the one of the stupidest things you could have ever done. Uh, I had to get that out of the way. Just that was you do not. I mean, they're called strategic reserves for a reason. Um, we need them for ourselves for when we strategically need them ourselves. Um, I'm really curious at what point are we considered, you know, in this Ukrainian war, um, you know, because we keep on sending them money and weaponry. At what point does Russia, you know, turn around and say, you know what, you guys are actually in this war or are they already, you know, thinking that way? Um, you know, I don't know, but uh, I do know that the main reason for the phone call this morning between, you know, uh, Biden and Xi Jinping was because Nancy Pelosi is visiting. She has plans to visit Taiwan and China does not want that. China's flat out said there will be consequences if this happens. I don't know what that means. I don't know what those consequences are, um, but I know that was probably probably one of the main reasons for that phone call this morning um, that because it's been such a high tension thing going on. Uh, I'm with you guys when it comes to the media, you know, the media's motto is definitely, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. They do not care about giving us the truth. They are a big part of the problem for America's psychology as a whole, in my opinion. Um, and that's since before COVID, but also especially once, you know, COVID hit, um, and America's media is just getting Orwellian, you know, at this point, um, and just everything in America kind of is. Um, and here in America, it does seem to be that I like to call them the powers that be. You know, others like to call them the Illuminati. You can call them whatever you want. Um, seems to be that the, they want us fighting with each other. You know, it seems like they're essentially causing a civil war instead of bringing us together. I constantly do not see, I constantly see divisive stuff, uh, whether, I mean, I, I'm not on the media much, but if I look at the media, it's divisive. It's never anything to bring us all together, you know? So this, that's a huge, huge issue right there. Uh, I truly believe part of why we, you know, we don't have a fair market is because of lobbying. It needs to go. Lobbying needs to go like yesterday. <laughs> I don't know who okayed it and who thought it would be a good idea that, that we will never have fair markets as long as lobbying is allowed. Um, another great question I have is when does the FCC step in? Um, in my opinion, I don't think they ever will since they're kind of part of, you know, the federal uh, institutions. 
but they are the ones that are supposed to keep, they are the entity that are supposed to keep the radio, TV, all com- other communications in check to ensure that they are, you know, punished when they do something wrong. I'm not seeing much of that. I don't know about you guys. Um, yeah, they're kind of just letting the media do whatever the media wants to do, say what they want to say, things like that. And just something as a, a younger man in America I wanted to say, you know, is it's very clear that it seems to be that we are being pushed into a as a renting nation, you know, uh, that they want us as a renter's nation. They do not want us owning anything. You know, um, the younger generations, they're doing everything they can to scoop up, you know, as we all know, BlackRock and others have acquired a crazy amount of land. You had the iBuyers like Zillow, Redfin, and others acquiring houses as well. It's because they want us to become a runner's nation, in my opinion. Um, And, you know, all of this is, you know, it's all kind of, you know, yeah, that was a lot to say very quickly, but, and it's... uh, I appreciate you. No problem. It's do you mind ask? Do you mind if I ask how old you are? No problem. I'm uh, 27. I love it. Thank you for being engaged, um, and thank you for your patience. Oh my gosh, yeah. you've sat here forever. Yeah. Uh, but but I just love the fact that you you know took notes and had bullet points, and and the the fact that you're even engaged, you know, is good. And so I'm 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 grateful that people your age, you know, are paying attention. Um, what do you think about that? The fact that I know you you've made it a bullet point that you that your generation is being set up for rentership. What what to, what are your thoughts on that? What does that do to you as a young man? Like yeah, what, yeah. it's incredibly hard. Um, at this point in time, I'm actually going to have to move in with my family right now because the only places around me for rent for a one bedroom one bath cheapest we could find is about one point two k. Uh, to rent. And at that point, in my opinion, you're paying a mortgage payment. Um, I'm not going to pay that amount to rent ever. (laughs) So I would, I would, I'd rather live on a shack, you know, like in the land. Um, But as a young man, it just, uh, I mean, for me, it definitely makes me feel like uh, almost being phased out. Right. Um, I was going to ask you if it feels kind of demoralizing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely a little demoralizing and almost a little like we're coming closer and closer to socialism as well. Sure. The more so. Sure. Uh, yeah, I would agree uh, with that. Yeah. I would agree with that. Are you single? I am. Yes. Okay. All right. I heard you say we. So I was like, oh gosh, are you having to like move into the <laughs> back with the parents? Oh or, no. Like, family? no. Uh, he's married. He's lying. He's married to the market. I love it. And I'm not asking because I'm like, oh, you're 27. You're like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, this is not Cougar Town. <laughs> but, but I'm legitimately curious. Uh, you know, my daughter's uh, your age. She's 26. My son-in-law is 28. And they... <laughs> She is like a super pissed off, uh, you know, 20 something, newly married, newly uh, parents, you know, and she's like, where the hell's our American dream? You know, and I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I guess my generation and others owe you guys more of an apology than than we could honestly Listen, we love to rag your generation about all the crap we're dealing with right now, but I always bring my audience back to the brutal, just ghoulish reminder that someone raised them. 
So someone raised this generation and, um, and I take full responsibility, you know, as a parent for my shortcomings, but, um, you know, we raised them, we sent them to public schools or private schools that all ended up being indoctrination camps. Uh, we gave them social media. We're still on TikTok. Parents are on TikTok. We've let the arts influence culture, which subsequently influenced politics. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's crazy. And 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 if we don't think that all of that influences, uh, you know, one thing builds upon another for the destruction of any civilization. Uh, you know, we're not immune. And I, and I I don't know. There's a part of me, I guess, that just wonders how much of our American pride has led us here. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be grateful, um, you know, in a, and and grateful, I think, is just such a better word, uh, you know, because then yeah. you you take care of things, right? You stay engaged. You, you don't abdicate uh, your authority or your civic duty, your civic privilege, your civic right, you know, rights that were... I tweeted something today, and I'm sure I've ticked a few people off, but what else is new? So I said, you know, no offense, but, you know, I'm no longer fighting... For the future America, I'm, I am standing in honor of the blood that's already been spilled. And, and I mean that, you know, I, there a lot of blood has been shed for this country and for other nations too, a lot of American blood. Um, and so I'm like, I feel like in honor of, of that blood, you know, we, we do need to stand. We've heard from people in this space throughout the evening and in all of my spaces, people come in from all over the world. And if we're talking about geopolitics, they're mortified. They sound a lot like you in their own nations where they're afraid of what's happening to this country and how it's going to affect them uh, because they understand what America means to the world's landscape. So, again, I commend you for, you know, and I thank you for being engaged. And and I, I I know it's hard, but listen, here's the reality. None of us really own anything in this life. And I don't mean to be like the American Debbie Downer, but here's the truth. Um, I, I just welcome you to not pay your, your property taxes <laughs> and see who actually comes knocking on your door. Um, you know, don't pay any of your taxes for that matter. And Joe Biden's actually about to make sure that, you know, at least 80,000 other people will be a, at your front door to make sure that you're paying into that. But I'm not saying that home ownership um, isn't important because it is. It absolutely is. Um, but I, I I would certainly encourage you, you know, to man, just, it's also a good time to build like family legacy, right? Like my, my German relatives, they all kind of live on top of each other in like one giant unit. Uh, and it just passes, you know, kind of like my family in New York or Jersey, you know, they, it passes from one generation to another. They don't move away from one another. You know, they're all in kind of like this generational housing program that they actually own. Right. And so it's a good time to be thinking, you know, generationally, maybe start stashing away some money while you're home and not giving up on that on that dream. Interest rates have dropped. Interesting enough, because I'm not the finance chick in this space. Uh, They did drop today. And my realtor actually called me to be like, hey, better be ready, because it looks like we're going to get, you know, mortgage rates, uh, another dip. And once we do, it might be the perfect time to strike. So just keep your eyes, you know, on the markets. But I I really I'm glad that you're here. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. No problem. Thank you for letting me speak. And uh, yeah, and just letting me, you know, get all the say everything I needed to. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thanks for being prepared and come back anytime. I appreciate you. Of course. Yeah, no problem. All right, guys. Who's next? You know your order. Oh, yeah. man. It's been a while, but thanks for having me up. You know, I wanted to speak on like um, a post that was on the Jumbotron. Uh, Emma had shared of this by Nate Anderson, and they were talking about fiscal austerity. And 
you know, in these times that we're facing fiscal austerity, you know, it's very difficult to have, especially with the culture that we have, this hedonistic culture that we have of just self-indulgence and self-pleasure. So it can't be like old times where, you know, we can tighten the belt because we've just developed that culture of like, you know, enjoyment and stuff and people just not wanting to sacrifice because it's always like, well, the other generation got this and every generation, you know, critiques the other. So I don't really care about like, you know, when they rag on millennials, I'm a millennial myself because, you know, hey, um, Gen Xers got it from baby boomers, baby boomers got it from the generation before them. So it happens all the time. But if we really want to try to fix things collectively, I think we have to change this culture of like self-indulgence. It's going to be very difficult to do, especially, you know, as time goes on, because when you look at it, millennials, we're the largest generation, the generation after us, you know, it's going to be pretty tough, especially, you know, since as we age and some of us would get out the workforce, things are going to get even tighter. So we have to kind of grow thicker skin. So I need you to define self-indulgence because I'm immediately thinking about you being one of those people who wants to take my air conditioning away <laughs> and oh, I no, will no, find no, you. No, no, okay. No, no, All right. no, no, <laughs> I'm like, wait a no, minute. No, no, no. Are you no, eating no, a no. carrot right now as you're telling us this? <laughs> it's like, okay, define no, self-indulgence. Yeah, nobody's, nobody's taking my box. Away. <laughs> right. away. I was like, what the hell? No, okay, no, go no. ahead. What I'm I'm talking about, you know, with these low rates people, and I get it. Some people think they're finance experts and thinking like, oh, yeah, I could just take out these massive amount of money and loans and get these credit cards and buy, 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 because, you know, the wealth effect. But let's be real. Like, dude, you're only earning like $40,000 a year. You know, you got to cut your quote according to your size. Like, there's nothing wrong with like, you know, enjoying yourself here and there. But we also have to have some sort of realist perspective. And I mean, it's all throughout, even with social media. People seeing through Instagram, seeing the way people are living and thinking that's real life. And it's like, it's not. So all these things have effects and it goes all the way down to even policymaking and the economy and things like that. And to me, I guess I'll just end it on a brighter note. I still think there's a lot of hope actually for the United States. This is the greatest country in the world, bar none, no matter what you want to say. I mean, there's still a lot of hope when we look at it compared to like China. A lot of people don't touch on this. China is actually kind of afraid because by 2030, they're going to face a population decline. And if anybody knows, like, people are at the center of the economy. And the United States, they're still going to be kicking. I mean, people are still going to come in. People are going to have babies. I mean, we're, we're only trending upwards. So it's great that we're having these type of discussions because we're noticing our weaknesses and where we could fix it. But when we look at ourselves compared to the competition out there, the United States is still number one, bar none. No threat at Thank all. You. So I just want to end it at that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Another young person. Love it. Thank you. And uh, thanks for your patience in the space tonight. Okay, yep. guys, I'm, I'm getting super low on battery and I can't charge because I'm still over here on YouTube with people as well. So uh, last two people, go for it. Ladies and gentlemen, I am extremely proud of you. We have the most amazing opportunity to take down the biggest evil and it did and it's happening on our watch. In times of dragons, be a dragon slayer. If they would have waited one more generation, they would have got us, but they didn't. They got greedy. And this is the greatest time to tap into all of the best from all of your ancestors and honor what the forefathers that put everything that they had on the line for the idea of liberty. So buckle up, be aware. And don't be afraid 
And if you are afraid, just be prepared and start at home. Start with yourself, do little bits, buy some seeds, plant something, go down the list of where you're spending your dollar. And if it isn't good for this country, then stop, even if you have to go without a little bit. And just be excited because this is our chance. And once we do this and win, then we'll live in a glorious jubilee and we will have directly contributed to that. So don't be afraid. We got it. Amen. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thanks for being a positive voice. Good stuff. A voice of life. Okay. We got Medi and we got prodigal. Medi, Medi, you're eating up my, you're eating up my battery time. No, no, no. <laughs> Go ahead. I was like, is this a duel? I just wanted, I just wanted to say, uh, because uh, Veermail was talking about it, is that there is a reason why Lavrov and Putin in their speeches and their communications keep mentioning sovereign countries. They say the word sovereign over and over because they want countries of the EU and NATO to, you know, to think about who is really running your country and what are their rules being imposed on you actually doing to your country that they're not suffering. So Germany is not in a place that it can it can take this pounding like France and the rest can kind of sit back. Germany has to act way out of its own interest. To, to try to comply with EU and NATO rules. Well, how does that work out for them when you think about it? When did the German people get to vote for any of this? They didn't. So I that's the reason why I think Putin uh, names it. The other thing is the last gentleman brought up, Generation X. I think we're the last generation that actually felt and understands what true freedom was. Maybe we were poor, and we had financial problems, but at least as far as we know, we didn't have all this government involvement in all our lives other than us getting their cheese and all the boxes in the yellow and with just the letters on it, beer or soda on it. And that's, you know, it's our watch. And we have to really consider what are we going to do and leave for our children? I think we're going to leave it a better world and we're going to win this war, but it's just, it's, it is everywhere. And we have to really start thinking as just a nation yeah, and an empire. I'm done. Sorry. No, you're good. You're good. That's good stuff. I, I'm thinking about government cheese and beer. <laughs> so, um, okay. It's been a long time since I've eaten a piece of government cheese, but I am no stranger to it. Believe that. Prodigal, hello, my love. Oh, so Monica, what is, what is government beer? Listen, I don't know, but you're going to have to save that for the after party because my battery's about to die, and I got to get Prodigal in, and then you know I got to pray us out of here. So, yeah, all right. I, I just wanted to add to uh, Medi with some white pills. I know the majority of the discussion tonight has been negative, but there's a lot of positive things going on. Uh, you can see parents getting involved with school boards. You can see the discussions. You can see even media realizing that they destroyed their legacy and now actually asking questions, even on late night TV. I mean, all Twitter is is, is a place to socialize and get information. 
But if you're not putting it to work in real life, in your circle, it's going to be meaningless, right? Even if the recession comes and it's as bad as it is, it's an economic opportunity. During the Great Recession, I tripled my, my, port- my real estate portfolio, right? If you're doing the right things, like one of the prior speakers said, I believe he was the Clippers fan, uh, and you have liquid holdings and you can make moves, you know, that's when thousandaires become 10,000 years, 10,000 years become 100,000 years, so on and so forth. So, you know, if you do the right thing, it's an opportunity. Yes, it's going to be sad to see people who weren't doing the right thing suffer. But all you can control is yourself. You look at the pushback against local prosecutors, them being recalled, people asking questions, Holchel and Adams having to finally say, listen, immigration is tapping our resources because now it's hitting New York City and D.C. instead of the southern states. People are waking up. And as long as you put that passion into, into your local communities and your state, then you will be fine. They count on complacency. They count on demoralization. And even if uh, a candidate or a state you're in is uh, deep red or conservative or aligned, you still have to vote. Uh, Ryan Gudersky, uh, people may know him. He's a political. He's involved politically. But in Florida, you know, the Republicans are doing well. But in August, they're still going to have elections for school boards. So you have to go out and vote. That's what they count. They count on you not knowing this information so they can give you slogans and platitudes and euphemism as they bleed you dry. So on that note, I'll say, listen, there's candidates out there who are ready to fight. You have Vance, Masters, Kent, they're leading. People, you know, people, real populists are coming into play. And, you know, America is the greatest country in the world. And as long as we turn this around, we can. You know, China might have all right now the precious earth uh, metals and minerals, but we have two mines in North Carolina that supply over 90 percent of, you know, the fine sand and quartz needed for semiconductors. If we have a politician that puts us first, we're blessed. America's North America in general is one of the few markets where you have the consumer market, the energy market, and you have uh, uh, at least population demos that are much more favorable than Europe, uh, China, etc. So the only thing that can destroy us is us. So I would just say get involved. It's not hopeless. And, you know, good things are happening. You look at lawfare. You look at the Supreme Court. You know, we're going to be attacking the administrative agencies left and right. Somebody mentioned what's the SEC doing? Well, until that decision came down, they said they were going to start trying to take into account climate emissions in publicly listed companies' portfolios. I mean, but now with this, with the new EPA West Virginia decision, you know, they're scared. They're, they're getting more frantic because they are trying to hold on as tight as they can. But the tighter they hold, the more they're going to lose control. And I'll end it on that. Just be active. Thank you, sir. Uh, and I was actually referring to the FCC uh, and why they're not monitoring, you know, anything the media puts out since that's their one and only job. Well, Obama did allow legislation to yes. be passed, allowed propaganda to be used domestically, but that's another conversation. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We should do another space on that. That would be rather lively. Uh, okay. Oh my goodness. You guys have been great. Thank you. We have, we have seen lots of people come and people go and that's just how spaces work. So, um, okay. Three aces cannot thank you enough, sir. Um, and I will send you a DM to just thank you in writing, uh, because my phone is about to go kaflooey because I've got y'all running through my board. Y'all I'm so country. Running, I'm so southern. Running through my board um, to the people in YouTube world. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for hanging in there all night. For all of your comments, it's been great live streaming with you all. This show will be edited in some way, shape, or form uh, tomorrow for tomorrow's consumption. If you guys have not subscribed to my podcast, please do. Um, 
uh, I have some really cool guests coming up actually in my spaces, um, in the coming weeks and over the next month, actually we're booked out for the next two months. So good stuff. Uh, but I talk about life, love and liberty. Also, for those of you asking me about, uh, metals and asking me about gold co best I can do is direct you to Monica protects with gold.com. Again, it's Monica protects with gold.com. A rep will reach out to you and you can get all the information that you would like, uh, there. I will tell you plenty of people have made the move and no, you don't have to. Matter of fact, you're not even allowed to move your entire portfolio over with them, but something to consider when hedging, protecting and securing, uh, yeah, Monica protects with gold.com. Tara, thank you so much for sharing your time with us. Uh, wish your mother a happy birthday for us. <laughs> thank you for uh, for uh, juggling everything. And Christopher, as always, thank you for being here as well. Uh, and J-Man, Prodigal, all you guys, thank you. Uh, I always pray people out of my spaces, so I'm going to do that this evening. If you're not into that, that's cool. You can leave. I'm not offended at all. If you are, then stay and be blessed. Father, Elohim, thank you so much for this night. Thank you for all these wonderfully, brilliantly bright people that you have created in your image and your likeness. I thank you for this beautiful country. I thank you for people from all over the globe who have been in this space this evening, people who have been in listening. Father, I pray that people are encouraged. I thank you that your Holy Spirit knows no boundaries and that you are not subject to man and our wickedness. So I thank you, Father, that you are on the throne yesterday, today, and forever, and that as much as we may be worried about our future, you've told us at least a thousand times in your great book not to so i thank you father that your holy spirit permeates throughout this earth and that we will see a new day a new dawn not only on this soil um, as we overcome evil with good according to your word lord but we'll see it all over this globe so i thank you that the earth is yours and the fullness thereof and i thank you that a boy is a boy and a girl is a girl i thank you for currencies and for monetary systems that work i thank you for freedom i thank you for every drop of blood that's ever been spilled for freedom whether it was the blood of your son or the blood of our forefathers. And I pray blessing over everyone in this space tonight, and I pray for your finances, your safety, your sanity, your happiness, your joy, and your health. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Thank you all very much. I look forward to uh, seeing you guys in my next space. Three Aces, thank you, Tara, as well. Thank you both. Have a good night. Okay, guys, still over there at my phone is like on super thin. So Holly Houston, Combat Medic, thank you all very much for being and hanging out with me tonight. Um, it has been a blast. Um, I really appreciate you. And <laughs> it's been a lot longer than I thought it was going to be, which is what normally happens in my spaces. Uh, so thank you for your patience. But uh, again, if you haven't subscribed to my podcast, please do. And uh, if you can't ever make one of my live shows or live streams or spaces, then you can always catch it there. Uh, but yeah, be encouraged, be encouraged. And, uh, you know, it's still a good thing to be an American. I end every single one of my shows saying, uh, be good to your neighbor, beginning in your own mirror. And if you are an American, you should go to my website and buy my merchandise that will remind you to act like one. God bless you guys. Love you all. Have a good night.